Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on this Tuesday night into, or no, Monday night into Tuesday morning. I'm used to doing the Tuesday night into Wednesday mornings from time to time. I will be doing that shift uh, tomorrow night. But, yeah, first time I've done an overnight in a while. Uh, I will be in on this shift tonight, and I'll be in on this shift tomorrow night. Uh, so plenty of time and a lot of stuff uh, to discuss over the course of the next couple nights here. And a lot of stuff going on. We'll get in the Sixers a little later on. They played again on Monday night. They beat the Pacers in a game that featured no defense whatsoever. Uh, but the Sixers come out victorious. They get the win on Monday night. Uh, we'll look down to spring training, see what's going on with the Phils. Still no update on Andrew Painter, which is a course of concern, uh, I'm sure, for many fa- Phillies fans out there. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on as well and why I'm not as concerned uh, in the immediate as most people are. But where we're going to start tonight is with all this drama going on with the Eagles coaching staff right now. And, you know, I was on last night, and while I was on during my show, uh, Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquirer, also part of the team here at WIP, released a piece regarding the dismissal, as he puts it, of Denard Wilson. Denard Wilson, the Eagles secondary coach, uh, coach under Jonathan Gannon this year, was a candidate for the defensive coordinator position uh, heading in to this this season during this offseason after Gannon left and, you know, doesn't get the job. The Eagles hire Sean Desai. He meets with Nick Sirianni over the weekend and Denard Wilson no longer the defensive backs coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, initially, this was widely being reported as an amicable parting of the ways. that This was kind of a mutual decision that both parties reached here. But Marcus, from his sources, tells a different story you know, Marcus says that this was not that kind of a situation, that Denard Wilson wanted to stay on, that he wanted to remain, even after not getting the defensive coordinator job, that he wanted to remain with the Eagles as a defensive backs coach. And hey, nobody knows exactly what happened here. And maybe at some point we'll get more clarity next time Nick Sirianni speaks. I'd assume it's in a couple weeks when, you know, the Eagles sign a free agent and they have to hold a press conference. But You know, regardless of how it went down, whether it was amicable, whether it was contentious, you know, I believe Nick Sirianni did the right thing here. And I believe Nick Sirianni made the right decision by letting go of Denard Wilson. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494, I'd love to get your take on this. Because by all accounts, Denard Wilson's a very good coach. And Denard Wilson was a very popular coach, as was seen on some 
advocating for Denard Wilson to get the job. This was a guy who was very popular in that locker room. And I don't think that's insignificant. I don't think that's something that you look at and you just dismiss out of hand if you're Nick Sirianni, if you're Howie Roseman, if you're anybody who's involved in this process to find the next defensive coordinator. You take those players' opinions into account, but in the end, you need to do what you feel is best for the football team. Like, this isn't about pleasing certain players. This isn't about doing what they want you to do. This is about doing the right thing for the football team. And here was Nick Sirianni talking last week uh, at the Combine about why they elected to go with Sean Desai. You know, one thing that we definitely have now is what we had our first year going into it. Um, You know, we have a a little bit of unknown. And now whoever we play first game can go and watch some of Sean's stuff. And from from Chicago or even some of the things from uh, Seattle. But one thing that we have is uh, some uncertainty, again, going into that first game. So where you hide some things in preseason uh, football and then and so not not give everything away. But, you know, what I did like is some, you know, some of the similarities to things that we do uh, that we've already been doing here on a very successful defense. and so, um, you know, with with different coverages, different uh, run blitzes, different, you know, things like that. And, you know, that makes sense. Get a different look. A coach who hasn't been here. Not somebody that was a part of the coaching staff under Gannon. Somebody who would give a fresh perspective, give a totally different look to what you had last year. That's something that Sean Desai provides that Nick Sirianni obviously thought he wasn't necessarily getting with Denard Wilson. He was more on what went into the search process of finding the new defensive coordinator. Um, just got to know him through this process again. I don't, I don't look at it like here's who I know and here's what I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna do, right? I didn't know Brian, Brian Johnson before we hired him, right? I didn't know Jamal Singleton before we hired him. Um, there's a lot of guys I didn't know before. I didn't know Nick Rollis before we hired him. I didn't know uh, um, Jeremiah Washburn before we hired him. Like, there's a lot of that that happens. I'm all I'm looking for is the the best guys for the job again. And you gotta. You got to balance different things. You, you, you know, every coach can't be the same, right? I think is there's a tendency to say, "I'm going to get this coach that uh, he's like me a little bit," right? And and you don't want a bunch of the same guys running around. So you, but every coach needs to be very detailed um, in what they do, and and so that's always the common denominator that I'm looking for. Um, but and, and, but we're not afraid to to cast a wide net to go. You know, I, I know how many good coaches are in college. I, I can't. You know, I think if you ask some of the Philly uh, media, they'll tell you that I talk about Frank Reich, I talk about Larry Karras, my college coach, and I co- talk about my one of my high school coaches, my dad, and right, and and that's where I learned all all my stuff from. So I know how many good coaches are out there at at the college level, and so whether we know them, whether we don't know them, whether we know them through somebody, or we're going to cast a wide net to try to do what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that is Nick Sirianni's job to do what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles. He thought Sean DeSai was the guy. You know, he thought that was the right call. And obviously, for whatever reason, he thought letting go of Denard Wilson was the best thing for this organization. And that's the only thing he should be concerned about. Nick Sirianni did the right thing here. I'd love to know your get your take on this. Do you think Nick Sirianni did the right thing by letting go of a very popular coach in Denard Wilson? I do. And if you want to join here, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. Because if Nick Sirianni felt that this could even become an issue, and obviously, you know, who knows, Denard Wilson, by all accounts, was very popular within the walls of the Novogare complex. Like, who knows? You could have kept him, and maybe things go fine. But if you think that this can become an issue, 
then this is the right decision. And, you know, I think as we look at this, and I've heard people discuss it a lot during the day here on the station, I think too many people are just looking at this from Denard Wilson's perspective, which kind of makes sense because Denard Wilson is the employee. Many of us, you know, in these kind of situations would look at it from Denard Wilson's perspective. And if you're in Denard Wilson's spot and this is a job that you've held and you wanted to stay even after not getting a promotion, of course, you might uh, feel a certain type of way about what do you mean? You're not going to give me the job and now you're going to fire me. You're going to let me go. And I, I get that. But you need to look at this from Sean Desai's perspective as well, because that is what Nick Sirianni needs to be concerned about. Sean Desai is going to be an incredibly important person in his coaching staff now. You need to make sure this guy is feeling comfortable, this guy is feeling confident in all the people he has to work under him. And here was Sirianni discussing this exact thing at the Combine last week, talking about the complicated staff dynamics if Denard Wilson were to return. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll obviously go through um, that with you know as we as we continue on and and you know um, does does the staff dynamic fit does uh, you know does does Sean have anybody but Denard's a great a great football coach um, you know he's he's done an outstanding job um, and you know um, if, if he's still our defensive backs coach we, we'll be lucky to have him because we know how good of a, a, a coach he is but you know we're not we're not to that process yet I mean we just kind of finalized that that Sean will be our defensive coordinator. So we're not there yet, but I I think the world of Denard and how good a football coach he is. And I don't think Nick Sirianni said anything untrue there. I think he does hold Denard Wilson in high regard. I fully believe that at that time when Nick Sirianni spoke last week, sure, he probably thought bringing Denard Wilson back to the staff was a possibility, but you need time to process it. You need time to talk to your new defensive coordinator. You need time to, you know, get to know Sean Desai because let's face it, Sirianni doesn't know him all that well as of now. Figure out what he wants. Figure out what he's comfortable with. And if Sean Desai wasn't comfortable with Denard Wilson being on his staff, and I I doubt it would be because, you know, they were interviewing for the same job and Desai got it, maybe he just wants his guys. Maybe he just wants to build his own staff. You know, maybe he wants to bring in people who he has scouted out over the course of his career and guys who he thinks could – be right for his coaching staff and could be a better fit for Denard Wilson. And if that's the case, you got to do what your new defensive coordinator thinks is best for the defense. That's the point of hiring the guy. If you're going to hire that coach and you're going to hire him over Denard Wilson, then you're doing it because you have faith in him. You're doing it because you believe in what he is selling you, what he sold you in the interview last week and the type of scheme, the type of staff that he can put together on that side of the ball You need to put that guy in the best position to be successful. I don't think Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman, however this determination, however this decision was made, I don't think they did anything wrong here. The Eagles did what they felt was best for the football team. They did what they felt was best for the coaching staff, and that's what you need to do. You can't worry about pleasing players. You can't worry about, you know, how this is going to be received. You got to do what you feel is best for the football team. And Nick Sirianni, I'm sure, knowing the way he is, if any player has a question, Nick Sirianni will be forthright in the answer why he felt like the Donald Wilson, first of all, didn't deserve or, or couldn't be the defensive coordinator, and also why he felt he needed to go entirely. But I don't think Nick Sirianni did anything wrong. You need to do what's best for your football team, and if he felt this was best for the football team, if he felt Denard Wilson 
still being on staff was going to present problems, then you got to make this decision. I had no problem with what Nick Sirianni did. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And we've got Francisco Rojas producing the show tonight. Uh, Francisco, what's your read on this whole situation with Denard Wilson? Because very popular coach, doesn't get the D.C. job. Now, you know, kind of fired entirely, as Marcus Hayes said, was open to coming back and wanted to come back. What do you make of this? Do you think Nick Sirianni or the Eagles are in the wrong here for letting him go? All right, so the biggest takeaway for me, TK, is that, look, I don't know a whole lot about Sean Desai. I I understand he was the safeties coach uh, for a while for for the Bears. And, and in just, full in full disclosure, n- neither do I. So okay, uh, I'll just throw that hey, out. So that's what that I've been trying to get a good read on. You know, Desai and you know Wilson's been here for a while as well. You know, obviously before he uh, just got let go. I guess the biggest takeaway for me is um, the confidence that Lurie and Howie have in Sirianni, giving him I guess that power because we've we've wondered the you know over the last even even with the Super Bowl recently is oh how much confidence does Howie. Um, and Jeff Lurie have in Sirianni, and obviously they have a ton of confidence uh, in him, you know, uh, letting him uh, part ways uh, with Denard Wilson. So I, I, that, that's kind of just, you know, my read on it is that I, I'm just uh, I'm kind of pretty ecstatic that, um, you know, the front office has, uh, you know, this this confidence in Sirianni and um, you know, the the culture that he's put together there, and obviously it's not just Sirianni, it's it's Jalen and it's everybody else in the locker room. But um that's kind of that was kind of, you know, my biggest thing was um I'm just I, I I'm more confident about the franchise going forward that, you know, they're all because obviously the way it ended with Doug was that it was not that. It was the complete opposite. And um just the obviously the uh the commitment and the confidence uh, you know, the front office has with Sirianni, that's that's kind of my biggest takeaway from it. No, and I think that's a great point. And if you want to get in here, 215-592-9494. But, yeah, Francisco, I think that's a great point because you look at it, this was another piece of Mar- Mar- of um, uh, of Marcus Hayes' piece regarding Denard Wilson is that apparently this was a Nick Sirianni decision. This was not something that came down from on high. And, again, who knows for sure, but – that's what at least his sources are telling him, that this was a Nick Sirianni decision. This was not something that came from Howie. This was not something that came from Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, as a matter of fact, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie were big fans of Denard Wilson, and they liked what he brought to the organization. But this was a Nick Sirianni decision, and if that's the case, I like it even more because you need to have your coach in that position. You need to give him that level of 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 control, and it gives me confidence that he will succeed in rebuilding this staff because this is where Doug failed. Like, uh, of all of, of Doug's shortcomings, and I think Doug's a pretty damn good coach. Like, we, we, we saw it here for years, and we saw it this past year in Jacksonville. When Doug Peterson is just the coach of a football team, he can be a pretty damn good coach, and he knows how to diagram offensive plays. He knows how to put an offense together and, and have a team succeed, and more than anything, his players believe in him, which is incredibly important. Like, Doug had seasons here, 2018-2019, that looked like they were going off the rails, and he kept those teams together. Like, those things could have gone badly, and Doug Peterson kept those teams together. Where, Doug's, where, where Doug failed, his downfall in Philadelphia – 
was that he was too loyal to certain guys on his coaching staff. I mean, his solution always, and I think this is ultimately why he got fired. Because after the 2020 season, I mean, I think Howie and Jeffrey Lurie really sat him down and said, Doug, what are we going to do to fix this coaching staff? Our offense has gotten stale. Like, we're not imaginative enough anymore. What are we going to do? And Doug's answer was always just promote from within. Promote from within. Promote from within. And while that's an admirable quality as a human being, like, there's no doubt about that. You want to be loyal to your guys. You want to be loyal to the people who've worked hard for you. You want to give them promotions. You want to see them continue to grow. And I'm sure Nick Sirianni feels the same way, but ultimately – He's got a responsibility that goes beyond just rewarding his guys. His responsibility is to the football team, to the organization, to winning as many games as possible. And Nick Sirianni, I am encouraged by the process this offseason here and the fact that they have been able to go through a process where, you know, they're interviewing internal candidates, they're interviewing external candidates, which is the right thing to do. You always want to get as many perspectives as possible so, you know, you can get ideas from all different places, even if you're not going to hire certain candidates. But for Nick Sirianni to show that, yeah, I'm not just always going to stick with the guys I know. Like, I'm not always going to stick with the guys within my coaching staff that's that. That's the right thing to do. And I'm not telling you that Sean Desai is going to come in here and be, you know, the next coming of, of Mike Zimmer or Vic Fangio or some of these great defensive coordinators in NFL history. But I do think it's encouraging that Nick Sirianni is willing to look outside, that he is willing to think outside the box, and it's not always just about rewarding your guys. Because while that might be what you want to do, that might be – you know, an admirable thing to do as a friend, it's not your job as the leader of an organization. Your job is to hire the best coaches. Your job is to bring in the guys who you think are going to do the best job, put your your team in the best possible spot to win a Super Bowl moving forward. And the fact that Nick Sirianni is willing to make those tough decisions, I think bodes really well for the future because it's something, let's face it, that Doug just was not willing to do. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. That's how you join the show. And doing these overnight shifts, it's nice because you do get to talk to, uh, you know, many different callers that you uh, don't normally get to to speak to. Hopefully we hear from a lot of the uh, overnight audience that I've come to know. One of them, Jason the Dirty 30. What's up, Jason? Hey, how you doing, TK? What's going on? I want to talk about... uh... The Sixers and our talk about the Eagles, of course. Um, I think you know it's exciting that you know the you know the winning streak and you know the getting hot at the right time, of course. And you know Boston, Boston's lost three. I believe they lost three in a row. So you know they may be well. They may be able to catch them. Yeah, I mean, we'll see about that, Jason. Sixers now four games back of Milwaukee, two games back of Boston. And, hey, I mean, if they could at least jump Boston, get in the two-seed, have home court, uh, that would help their cause. I, I'd still say it's unlikely at this point, but but certainly not impossible with 18 games left. Yeah, and I don't really know a lot about the, uh, you know, the – 
new defensive coach, but, you know, I believe that Storiani's, you know, right. Maybe it's time, you know, we got uh, fresh eyes, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that makes sense, Jason, and uh, uh, appreciate the call, buddy, as always. But, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to get a fresh perspective, and Jason brings up the Sixers. We will get into the Sixers a little later on. Um, and we'll talk about something that happened, particularly the end of that Boston game uh, a little later on. It was really, really tough to watch um, that, that I have kind of a personal experience in a similar situation. So we'll, we'll get to that a little later on here. Um, but, yeah, Sixers now just four games back of Milwaukee in the East, two games back of Boston. Um, and it looks like they're going to be a top three seed. We'll see if they can jump into that two spot, 18 games left. So. Uh, it's a possibility, uh, but the Sixers need to keep winning. Another, you know, big win uh, on Monday night and right back at it on Tuesday. I don't know what it is. Is it just me, Francisco, or does it feel like the Sixers have been playing, like, every day for the last two weeks? Yeah, I mean, as long as they keep winning, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, it's just you know crazy. I, mean? I, I just feel like – I feel like they're, they're just – I don't know when they're having nights off. Like well, I feel like I'm yeah, missing the, the nights off. Well, tonight was a back-to-back, right? It was uh, Indiana. What was the game before? Tonight was the – they had a day off on Sunday. So they played the Saturday night game. Right. They had a day off the Sunday. Big one. And then they played tonight. They played tomorrow, right. I think, in Minnesota tomorrow. Right. So it just it's feels a, like they've been playing a lot. Yeah, it's a good, good stretch, though, too. You should, we should win these games. Yeah. Let's not jinx it. No. And, uh, you know, the Sixers – uh, another win, James Harden, 20 assists tonight, uh, and James Harden's playing pretty well. So regardless of how you feel about this team's uh, um, you know, outlook moving forward, you got to give them credit for playing well right now. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But starting the show with the Eagles coaching staff drama here, do you think Nick Sirianni was in the right to dismiss Denard Wilson if he wanted to return? I do. you got to do what's right for the team. And if Nick Sirianni decided this was what was best for the football team, you got to do it. You you just got to make that decision. And it gives me confidence moving forward because this is something that Doug was just not willing to do. Doug was not willing to, to, to let go of his guys. He wasn't willing to look outside the organization. It was really what started his downfall here. He always just wanted to promote from within. And you can't always go about it that way. And even if Denard Wilson wanted to come back, if Nick Sirianni foresaw this being a problem down the line or Sean Desai wanted somebody else for the job, then you got to do what's best by by your new defensive coordinator. You know, you, you can't do what's best by the coach who's already here. You got to do what's best for the football team. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will talk about how this might be received in the locker room because, in my opinion – some of the players on this team put Nick Sirianni in a really difficult spot uh, with this decision. So we'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. Sports Radio 94 WIP. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. Uh, if you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, you can always tell when Francisco's producing when we have an eclectic music selection coming back from breaks. You, you, you're really making a name for yourself with the music selection, Francisco. I think you need to teach all the other producers a, a lesson in, in how to come back with the you know, different well, musical choices. Well, apparently, this is what my mother said to me uh, yesterday. She said that I need to be trying to cater to the host more. So, you know, I need to be asking, uh, you know, my coworkers what they like so I can play their type of music. No, I, I, I disagree with your mom. I think. Hey, you, thank you. I disagree yeah. with her, too. But, but yeah. I also, I should be respectful to you guys. So, you know, if you want me to play all Taylor Swift coming back, I have no problem with it. <laughs> no, you're, you're, I mean, you're not being disrespectful. I think do your thing, you know, play your music, and, and I enjoy it. I enjoy your uh, different musical tastes. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, I do. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But uh, talking about the Eagles coaching staff uh, drama here, Denard Wilson uh, doesn't get the defensive coordinator job, apparently wanted to stay on as the Eagles defensive backs coach, but Nick Sirianni, you know, decided that wasn't a good idea and decided it was time to move on. I don't have a problem with it. I think Nick Sirianni's doing what's best for his football team. And, you know, regardless of whether Denard Wilson deserved this, and this is a word that we use a lot, but, I mean, in sports, it's not really about what you deserve. I mean, a lot of times, you know, unfair things happen. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate for Denard Wilson that, he needs to move on now. I'm sure he'll find another job in the NFL. I mean, the guy's a highly regarded coach. But, you know, as well-liked as he was in the locker room, as good a coach as he was by all counts, I don't think Nick Sirianni did anything wrong here. He needs to cater to his new defensive coordinator. He needs to do, you know, what's going to make Sean Desai most successful. And if Sean Desai wanted somebody else in that role, if for whatever reason they thought that Denard Wilson – Thing could fester and it could cause 
issues as we move on here, some residual, you know, feelings from him not getting the defensive coordinator job, then you got to get out in front of it. And I think Nick Sirianni is doing the right thing here. Um, and I, I, I think this is encouraging. It's encouraging from Sirianni moving forward because this is where Doug Peterson failed. This is where Doug refused to evolve. He wouldn't make changes. You know, he would not move on from coaches. He would not look outside the organization. His idea, whenever the Eagles had coaching vacancies, was always promote from within, promote from within, promote from within. Not always the right call. And this gives me confidence in Sirianni moving forward uh, that he'll know how to build a staff and know how to replenish these coaches when you lose them. Um, and I think this is a, a good sign. I think Nick Sirianni did the right thing by letting go into Nard Wilson. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, but I did want to talk about the aspect of the Eagles players here because this is a part of it. And uh, I, I think the Eagles players put Sirianni in a really bad spot. And I don't like it at all. Like I said it last week. I didn't like when they were tweeting their support for Denard Wilson. Like, I understand if you like a coach, you know, that that's that that's great. Like you should hopefully you like your coaches. And if you want to advocate for a certain guy to get a job, that's fine. You know what you do though? You handle it behind closed doors. You call Nick Sirianni, you call G- Howie Roseman, you call Jeffrey Lurie. You know, I think Lurie might be a little more difficult to get on the phone. But the guys who are tweeting out, Darius Slay, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you can get on the phone with the coach or the general manager whenever you want to. And if you want to voice, voice your support for Denard Wilson out of the public eye, then there's no problem with doing that. I mean, you're trying to help the organization. You're trying to give your input. And honestly, players' input should be taken into account. And I think it was taken into account. I don't think this is a situation where the Eagles, you know, knew the opinions of some of the players in the locker room and just said, ah, forget them. We're just going to do what we want to do, and we're not going to value them at all. No, I think it all gets weighed, and it gets weighed into account. But let's face it, the only reason why this is becoming such a big deal and the only reason why this has really become a public thing at all is because the players were the ones that made it public in the first place. Like, they were the ones who came out and were vocal to begin with, and, you know, I I think it, it just hasn't been handled very well from that standpoint. Like, the players need to understand that it's not Nick Sirianni's job to please them. That is not what his responsibility is in this situation. His responsibility is to hire the best guy for the job, to put Sean Desai in a situation to succeed, or whoever the defensive coordinator he hired was, in a best possible situation to succeed. That's Nick Sirianni's job. It's not to please everybody in that locker room. And I think when you look specifically at that defensive backs room here, there is a maturity issue that, that needs to be addressed. And I said this last week. I hated what C.J. Gardner-Johnson did, how he tweeted uh, in response to Jonathan Gannon's quote. Here was what Jonathan Gannon had to say at the Combine about what happened in Super Bowl 57 in the second half. They made a lot of good plays in that second half. Um, We weren't able to get some stops when we needed to. Um, I obviously could have done a better job of coaching a couple things that I want out of the call. So Mr. 
Murray, for Howie, and for the head coach. But um, learned a lot from it, and uh, you know, you got to give credit to Kansas City. But uh, obviously, I could have done a lot better job with what we were doing. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson basically quote tweets that and says, "Well, you didn't put us in a position to make plays." And I thought it was, I thought it was classless. Like Jonathan Gannon's taking accountability there. He's not throwing you under the bus. He's a coach who, let's face it, Jonathan Gannon probably just helped set you up, C.J., to make a hell of a lot of money this offseason. Like, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, whether he re-signs with the Eagles or signs somewhere else, that guy's going to cash in. He's going to be one of the highest-paid safeties in football. And part of that is because of Jonathan Gannon. Because if you want to say Gannon was fully responsible for the Eagles not playing well in the second half, then you're basically saying, well, he was responsible for all the production our defense had throughout the course of the regular season. You can't have it both ways. I thought that was classless. Now, that being said, I understand why the Eagles want to bring C.J. Gardner-Johnson back because he's a good player, he's young, and he has the potential to get better. I do have concerns about his maturity, which, you know, hopefully will get cleaned up here. But there's a reason why the Saints traded him for a fifth-round pick and a seventh-round pick instead of just keep him even if they weren't going to re-sign him because they were worried about him being a problem in the locker room. Like, that's why they elected to trade him. But again, that being said, I understand why the Eagles would want to keep him. But when you look at the other guy who went public on this year, um, and that's Darius Slay, I'm sorry, but but I'm looking to move Darius Slay this offseason if I'm the Eagles. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, because honestly, I'm just I'm tired of it with Darius Slay. I'm tired of the act, you know, the the Denard Wilson tweets. We had the whole incident where he blames Josiah Scott for the third and 30 play in Dallas. Last night he's on Twitter commenting on unsubstantiated, I think that's the word I'm looking for, unsubstantiated rumors regarding Matt Patricia being hired by the Eagles, because if you remember, he played under Patricia in Detroit, didn't like him very much. They had a big falling out at the end of things there, but basically insinuating that he's not going to play if the Eagles hire Matt Patricia, like uh, saying it's a different situation than than others where coaches and and players haven't gotten along in the past, and basically insinuating he's not going to play if they hire him. And I'm just done with Darius Slay. Because you look at Gardner Johnson, that's one thing. Good player, young player, a guy that you want to keep. But what do you really have in Darius Slay here? Guy's making a ton of money. He's getting older. I believe he's 32 now. He's really not that good anymore. I mean, he's a decent corner, but he's not an irreplaceable corner. If you can get rid of him and bring back James Bradbury, that's an absolutely better outcome. But even if you can't bring Bradbury back, I am getting rid of Darius Slay. I really am. I just don't think he's that good, and I don't think that the extra stuff that comes along with Darius Slay is is worth it. You know, I don't think that him always chirping on social media, his his comments blaming other people, it doesn't match up with the fact that he's not that productive of a corner. Like, he had a good start to this season, really tailed off in the second half. I mean, part of that, I, I don't think it's 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 – fully because he's a bad player. I mean, it's not like you saw him getting torched every week. But I don't think that 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 he's a guy who you can't replace here. And 
I think this team, as they transition into a new era, because let's face it, the Eagles are are heading into a new era of the the organization here in the team, where all these guys who have led the locker room for years, the Brandon Grahams, the Jason Kelseys, the Lane Johnsons, Fletcher Cox, these guys are all going to be gone soon. Like, you need leaders who are going to carry this team into the future. You need leaders who are going to instill, you know, that that kind of character, that kind of leadership into the guys who are coming along. And I don't think Darius Slay does that. I don't think Darius Slay is a very good influence on these younger players. And honestly, I don't think he's good enough to pay him the money, which is the big thing, and, you know, to deal with all the nonsense. So if I'm the Eagles... You know, I'm looking to get rid of Darius Slay this offseason. I'd love to get your take. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Do you want Darius Slay to be an Eagle next year? Because I don't. I've never been a huge fan of him. Um, He's played better. He played better this year. He played better the last two years than he played in 2020. 2020, he really wasn't that good at all. But I think he's replaceable. And especially if you can bring Bradbury back and move on from Darius Slay, I just think that's a no-brainer outcome. Bradbury's the better player. Bradbury's a better leader. He's a guy who's not going to talk. He's going to go in. He's going to do his job. And, you know, he's a a, a player in the locker room who's well-respected. So I'm looking to move on from Darius Slay this offseason. Would love to know, do you want Darius Slay back next season as an Eagle? I don't. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. What's your take, Francisco? Do you want Darius Slay back next year? So, so what are you trading Darius Slay for, Tom? I'll trade him for I'll, I'll trade him for you for know a bag of pucks, a, a third or a fourth or something and something. I want to offload the contract more than anything. That's true, but I don't know. He still brings. I, I know he did tail off in the second half of the season, but I mean, it depends. If you bring Bat- Bradbury back, I, I would a hundred percent agree with you because maybe you could move move on from Slay get. Get get another corner in the draft, um, which I think they will anyway. Um, but I'm not trading them for just anything, though. Like I don't know a third, third or a fourth. I understand it's the NFL; it's it's different in the draft. But I don't know. Like it, it's it's great because when when he plays well, everything's great. Everything's great. But when he's you know remember the Dallas? You mentioned the Josiah Scott thing. That the Dallas game happens and he's blaming everybody else. Everyone's got to do their job. Blah blah blah. And then what a week ago the whole uh you know the whole thing with Juju like I I agree with you the, the, the Juju thing is just it's so stupid I, I we, we sound like the 49ers after we beat them I hate it so yeah. much um but I don't know like if 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 Slay if you could tell me that Slay was going to be as productive as he was in the first half of the season and like let's be honest though like for the most for for his, most of his tenure as an Eagle he's been pretty productive. Like besides like the last half of last season, he's been pretty good. I thought I thought I we it's been a while since we've you know been looking for for good corners. Um, you know, well, I mean, when was the last time we had a good corner? It was really like Asante and like Lito Shepard and all of them, Sheldon Brown. Like I don't know, it's been a while. Um, they don't undersell Jalen Mills, man. Jalen Mills, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm not like I'm not where you are. And like oh, yeah, let's just but. You know, I I think his personality, like you said, his personality can be kind of maybe not what you're looking for in a leader, but I guess I guess it all depends. It, it all depends on what you're trading him for. I don't I, I don't know. Yeah, and but part of it to me is I just don't think he's that great anymore. Like I I think 
and I don't think we know he's going to get worse. Like this is not even a projection. This is just a fact. Like he's a 32 year old corner. I, I thought he was 30. I didn't realize he was 32. 32. So that does change things. By the end of next season, man, he's going to be 33. That dude's going to be 33 by the end of next year, and you're paying him. I I think something like. $15 million this year? I don't know exactly yeah, what his calendar uh, is. Yeah, base salary is $17 million. $17 million for Darius Slay. Like, I'm offloading that contract. I think he's replaceable. You know, I don't think this is a guy who you need to have around here anymore. And again, like, do I think he's the worst guy in the world? No, it's not like he's off the field causing trouble and stuff like that. But I do think that he's a little childish in certain situations. And I think, you know, as a leader, like, this guy's supposed to be a captain of the team. You can't be on Twitter advocating for a defensive coordinator when you know what your team's trying to do here. Like, there's a reason why, you know, Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey, like, they're not out here doing those, those kind of things. And, and he's like, you, you got to think, he's probably influencing, like, these other, like, Gardner Johnson. No doubt. And who I forget who the, who, who else tweeted from the, the secondary uh, within the last couple of weeks. But either way, like, there's definitely some, some influence there. You know, Slay is... Supposed to be a leader in the locker room, like we we said, he's thirty two. It's been around, so that definitely some influence there. Don't love that, and maybe and maybe I'm maybe I'm boring, uh, but I, I just love a James Bradbury. You know, just no, go I mean, in, all do your job. Yeah, go and do your job and, and go home. And, There's nothing and wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with it at all. That's what Jalen Hurts does exactly. And throw out a bunch of cliches at the post game press conference and call it a day. Yeah, it takes accountability. Yeah, so. I'm moving on from Darius Slay. I want to know, do you want Darius Slay back next year? I don't. I just don't think he's worth the trouble. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back here, um, I don't have a social media gripe tonight, but I have a social media issue. There's a, a debate that was playing out on social media on Monday regarding a tweet uh, from C.J. Gardner-Johnson that – uh, I want to bring up when we get back, and Francisco, how are you with math? Are you good at, at doing algebra? Okay, so I got a 98 in pre-calc in college. Okay, I think that's well, what it was, calc, okay. either one. Well, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. When we get back, I am going to give you a math equation to solve, and I want to see if you get it correct. Uh, I did not get it correct, uh, so we'll see if you can do better than me. Uh, but we'll have that coming up next. Also talk a little bit about the Sixers. Um, and, yeah, I do have a social media gripe, actually. So we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. 
Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Spring training is here, and the free Odyssey app has everything you need to get ready for opening day. In-depth team coverage from the biggest sports radio stations across the country. Exclusive interviews with players, managers, and MLB insiders. And podcasts dedicated to your favorite team. Listen live to the latest breaking news from around the league. Or choose from a list of topics and listen on demand. Baseball lives right here on the free Odyssey app. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you on a Monday night into a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. How you doing the show? Talking about a couple things Eagles-related tonight to start the show. Um, your feelings on Nick Sirianni letting go of Denard Wilson. Uh, doesn't get the defensive coordinator job. Apparently wanted to stay on as the, as the defensive backs coach. Um, but Nick Sirianni didn't think it was a good fit. And decide to move on. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's the right move. I think this is what you, you know, just need to do sometimes for the betterment of your organization. Um, and if he felt like it would have created problems or uncomfortable situation with Denard Wilson being there with Sean Desai, you got to do what's best for your team or what you feel is best for your team. I think Nick Sirianni did the right thing. Um, so I'd love to get your take on that. Also, uh, Darius Slay, who, you know, has had a good couple years, certainly, the last couple years, one of the better corners in the league. But I'm ready to move on from him. I'm ready to move on from this offseason. Due to make $17 million, 32 years old, I just don't think he's worth it anymore. You know, between, I mean, the, the incessant tweeting just needs to chime in on everything. And no, I'm not going to trade a guy because of, of Twitter, unless it's like really bad stuff. But I also just don't think he's that good anymore. Like, I don't think he's worth the headache. And if you can trade Darius Slay, and that opens up enough space that you need to sign James Bradbury, I think that's a no-brainer move. Like, James Bradbury, to me, is far better than Darius Slay. He's younger than Darius Slay. That's the guy I'd much rather keep. So if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But as I said, I thought the players put Sirianni in a real difficult spot with some of their tweets um, advocating for Denard Wilson last week. And I just don't think you need to go public with that. I think you can do it behind closed doors. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who is another guy who's very active on social media, started a big debate on Twitter on Monday. Did you see this, Francisco, uh, what happened with C.J. Gardner-Johnson? I've seen these so many times Okay, on social media. But go ahead. So what he did, he tweeted out uh, this viral math problem that had been going about. And I guess it's, it's, I don't think it's even algebra. I think it's like pre-algebra. It's just, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know which one. I don't know is. exactly what you'd call it, but this equation. I remember this from like middle school. Okay. So I want to know if you get this right, Francisco. Uh, the, this is how it reads left to right. Six divided by two, and then in parentheses, one plus two. What would be the answer to this viral equation? One. The answer would be one? 
Yeah, are are you quizzing me? Or are you trying I'm to quizzing, tell me? I'm quizzing you. You have the right answer. No, I'm qu- yeah, I'm quizzing you. Okay, but you have the right answer. Yes. Doesn't sound like Okay, go go ahead. Your answer it's was one. one? It's one. That was my answer as well? No, come on. Don't we're tell me bo- it's wrong. Nah, yeah, we're no. wrong. No, it's not. Well, CJ, They're liars. Well, I, I dug into this because CJ had tweeted out that it's nine. Now, I thought it was one as well because please excuse my dear Aunt Sally is the thing that you learn in school. You know, that's the acronym for sure that you learn. But apparently, in this certain equation, um, multiplication and division is actually interchangeable and goes left to right. Like, obviously, you do the parentheses first. Everybody knows that part. This is new rules or something? It's major league baseball come in. Did they, they come in? You know what? And play new this, rules? Yeah. Has this? Yeah. Changed? What the heck is this about? Nah, because I thought nah. we were right. Because you do the parentheses first. The one plus two is three. Then I thought you multiply the three by the two. Divide yeah. and you six divided by six is one. But apparently you multiply you you add the one and the two. You get the three there. Then you do the six divided by two because that's first left to right. You get the three and then three times three is nine. Maybe maybe, maybe they're right. I don't know. I'll consult my math teachers from the past. I'll hit okay. them up. Well, that that makes me feel less bad about it because at first I felt like a real idiot that I'm a you know 35 year old guy, uh, be 36 in a few days, and that I was getting this wrong. But and if you're like this math whiz as you claim to be, I'm not a math whiz. I was. You lying. just said you. Oh, you yeah, were lying was, about that. You look, were inflating well, your no, 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 inflating your stats on pre calculus. <laughs> You're yeah, juicing the, the, yeah, juicing look your at stats? the analytics uh, on my on my uh, past, uh, you know, my my equations and whatever. I, I uh, it, big deep. I'm I'm pretty you know well versed. Besides this one, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty consistent. Okay, it's been a while. Yeah, my so. GPA wasn't great, but if you dig into the numbers, you'll see that I was more valuable. Than originally was well, thought. you claimed you got a 98. Was that true, or did you just make that up? Yeah, I think my professor was a little lenient. He gave us a lot of extra credit. Okay. So, you know, I probably had like a 75, but he liked me, so he added on like 22 extra points. Okay. Well, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's 25. So what? You were really getting like a C? Oh, I, honestly, this was like 2014. I really don't remember. I just okay. remember that with a lot of like the tests and a lot of like the homework assignments. He would say like, "Oh yeah, go do this," and then like, if it's if you know, I'll give you whatever extra points. And then he added extra points on in the final, and then on my final grade and stuff like that. And I ended up with like a ninety-eight or ninety-nine. I was like, "How did I do that? I don't know, but I'm not complaining." Okay, well, fair enough. But we're bo- apparently we're both idiots because we both got this wrong. I looked into it. Apparently, the answer is nine. So, uh, you know, if anybody wants to uh, wants to chime in on this math problem equation and whether. Whether we're right or wrong, because again, like there's still debates going on about it. it seems like it's nine, but I don't know. I, if anybody does believe it's one, um, and you can find the equation on CJ Gardner Johnson's Twitter account, please let us know. Uh, by, the, by the way, what was your best subject in school? My best subject, hmm, man, it's going back a long time. Uh, it might have been math. I was terrible at science. I was terrible. Oh, at I science. hated science. I, I like genuinely did not like science. And I was terrible at at art, like you and you know, when you're a little kid, you have to take art class. I'm still a stick figure guy. I was, I was, I couldn't do anything. Like I, I, I had to stay after for handwriting help because, like, 
I'm a lefty, so we write weird. And oh, you're a lefty? Writing was illegible. Yeah, why do you say it like that? I don't know, because I don't know down. a lot of lefties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're I, like the only lefty I know. Yes, I'm a lefty. So we have very illegible handwriting. So Yeah. yeah. Cool, good for you. I was very bad at art, basically. Oh, I'm sorry. So that was... That was my bad subject, but I was pretty good at math. So what about what about not English? In this case, what about English? Yeah, I was decent at it. I was good at English. I can see that. Yeah. So, yeah, not not, not that bad, but I uh, don't really don't really remember thinking back as a journalism major. You'd think I'd be good at English. So That's what I was, I was thinking. De- I was decent at it. So there you go. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But uh, in a minute, we'll get to the Sixers because my social media gripe had to do with some Sixers fans here because. I'm not sure, Francisco, if you saw what happened with Giannis Antetokounmpo over the weekend where he was one rebound short of a triple-double, and, you know, he's going down the floor, um, ends up shooting a shot that is, you know, a a nothing shot, a couple seconds left, um, a layup under the basket, intentionally misses it, and ends up getting his own rebound to give him a triple-double. And there were some Sixers fans, I'm not going to say all, but there were some Sixers fans out there who were complaining about this and saying, well, if Joel Embiid or James Harden did this, everybody would be up in arms. That's just not true. Like, everybody wouldn't be up in arms if they did this. Like, these guys, like, Giannis, I thought it was a funny thing to do, honestly. So he gets the triple-double, but my gripe here is with the NBA. The NBA has rescinded it. I, I didn't know they could do this. They stripped him of a rebound because they said he wasn't intentionally trying to make a shot and that needs to to be the case to to constitute a rebound. Now there are three seconds left. He goes up, intentionally misses a layup, gets the rebound. I think that should count. Like the you know the, the guy's going down, he shoots, he misses, gets a rebound, triple double. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like other sports where like you can rescind be, something like not that? even like but like things intentionally will happen. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, think of an example where like I don't know like that, that I'm not that's stupid. That they rescinded that. Like, yeah. give the guy a triple double. Yeah, that's dumb. That's all. I, that's all I have to say. Yeah, it is dumb. And you know, my issue was with uh, you know the people on Twitter. Oh, if Harden or Embiid did this, everybody be crushing it. Like, no, that's not the case. It was funny. I mean, Giannis tried to to to, to steal a triple double. It's not the first time we've seen something like this happen. But I thought it was a pretty funny moment. Uh, him trying to get that extra rebound and, and get that triple double. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you join the show. But as I mentioned, Sixers win on uh, Monday night. They beat the Pacers um, one forty seven one forty three. I mean, there was like literally no defense played in this game, and you know a, a big win. James Harden. Uh, only 14 points, but 20 assists in this game. Uh, just incredible. We'll get back to that in a couple minutes here. First, let's go to uh, Mac in Phoenixville. Wants to talk about our math problem. What's up, Mac? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. How you doing, Tom? Good. How are you? Uh, doing good. Um, I was actually up, and I heard you guys going through it, and I figured I'd at least, for like what I could, try. I'll try to explain. Like, I, I did. I got an, a B minus in like eighth grade algebra, so I think I can square this. So, like, when you have um, parentheses like that. And there's no, um, like, symbol. So, like, in the one, it was, like, six divided by two parentheses. Mm-hmm. It just means you multiply. Like, you're, if, there, if there's nothing there, you multiply. Right. So, like, you do the parentheses first. And then from there, you just assume there's a time symbol there. So, it's, like, 
six divided by two, like you go left to right from that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that that absolutely makes sense, Ryan. But I didn't realize. I just was thinking of the acronym, and I was taking it literally. Like, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that division and multiplication in that instance are interchangeable. It's been a yeah, long man. time since I had to do one of those. Yeah, ones. man. I mean, I don't know if they do that too much in, uh, I guess, like sports talk. You don't have to do, like, wild amounts of calculus or algebra. But, like, also, too, there was no defense in that game. I'm kind of mad. I did have to complain. I needed, like, uh, three more rebounds from Embiid and another three from Harden. So, I did have to complain about that. Uh, Mac, me I need another three from Harden, too. And he's a lock to make two threes every game. Yeah, man. Like, it's it's, un- it's unbelievable. You no, know, like the one night they put up 147 points. This clown's got like one three. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, at least try a little, James, from no. downtown. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. And it's like it's always funny that moment where it's late in the game and you, and you know it's like your last chance. He shot a three you with like two minutes left. Too? Yeah, you saw that one three he took. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's gonna drop. It's gonna drop. Yeah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. No, it right. well, good. that yeah. that was what I had, man. Thanks, thanks, again. Mac. Appreciate it, man. Uh, but yeah, the same game parlays, man. Um, I need one more hard and three. He just let me down tonight. This is why I don't bet anything on any hometown team, any emotional connection. This is why I don't do that. Because you guys are sitting here complaining about a hard and three. The Sixers won. Just be happy about that. Yeah. This is why I don't bet on anything close to home. I understand what you're saying, but it's a regular season Sixers game. It's Indiana in, so what? in, in, in early March. Like, I'm not talking about... Game six of the second round. Yeah, but you still come on here and you get angry about the Sixers or you're I'm happy. I'm not angry. Yeah. I'm not angry. I mean, I'll, Listen I'll, to you right now. You're angry. I'm full disclosure. I will say when I have a parlay that misses by one hard and three because he couldn't hit the second three. See, he listen to you. Three. Yes, I am You should angry. just be happy the Sixers won. No, but James Harden, I mean, he's a lock for two threes every night. See, just, but let's see. This is your gripe here. You could have just been happy that Harden had 20 assists. That's really hard to do. And Beat had a great game. Jalen McDaniels is starting for the Sixers at 20 points and eight rebounds. Be happy about that. But here you are. Oh, man. Oh, man. My, my bet didn't hit. Oh, man. Yeah. Try. What? I'm not allowed to, to, to complain a little bit about my bet? Yeah, complain hit? about another game you could have put money on. Complain, complain about the Celtics and the Cavs. Why didn't you do that? Because I wasn't watching that game. You know, okay. you know, I was watching I have to watch games, the game so. to bet on it. Yeah, but I thought, thought it, you know, adds a little more interest to it. But sure, Sixers get the win. That's all that really matters. Uh, let's go to Ryan in the Northeast. What's up, Ryan? Hey, what's up, you guys? How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. Listen, um, number one, I couldn't agree more about Slay. Like, you know, one thing that keeps getting uh, left out is I don't remember if it's I if it was I think it was the Saints game. I don't know if it was the Saints or the Giants when he threw the young guy under the bus. Right after the game. Cowboys game. Cowboys game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was it three bad games? I'm sorry. I'm not one of these guys that expects all athletes to be like But when I got talking, I feel like I'm talking to a third grader. Well, I mean, well, Ryan, I honestly don't have any problem with the way he talks, but I no, think. No, no, no. I, I think. Do. I think, it, and, and I appreciate it, man. I think it's it's more than anything. It, it's just like the immaturity in certain situations. And with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I can understand it a little more. Like when C.J. Gardner-Johnson tweets out, you know, about Denard Wilson and how he should be the defensive coordinator, it's different. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's what, 23 years old? Like he's still early on in his career. He's still got a lot to learn. Darius Slay's a 32-year-old veteran who's a captain on the team. 
You un- he knows better, man. That's what bothers me is he knows the organization doesn't want you tweeting out advocating for a specific coach. If you want to to give Nick Sirianni your input, if you want to give Howie your input on who should be the defensive coordinator, that's fine. You know, go ahead and and do it privately, but you don't do it publicly. You don't do it publicly. That's a bad decision. That's a that's a bad move uh, to do that. And you know, you just can't you can't put yourself in that kind of situation. You can't put the organization in that kind of situation because now you know Nick Sirianni, and as Marcus put in his piece, it, 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 the the appearance now is that Nick Sirianni is like going against the wishes of his players. And I mean, I'm this is not abnormal. I don't think. I don't think it's abnormal at all where players want a coach promoted. They don't get promoted and the coach goes externally. It might not always go over well, but it doesn't need to be made public. Uh, Darius Slay needs to know better than that. And is that the only reason why I want him gone? Of course not. But I don't think he's he's that great anymore. He's making a lot of money. And if you can move him, bring back James Bradbury, I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, about the Sixers uh, and how they stack up in the Eastern Conference. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I don't think I've ever heard that one before, Francisco. Who's, who's that? You a Kendrick Lamar fan? Yeah, oh yeah. I've heard, I've heard Kendrick Lamar. I've, I I only know like his, his main songs. I'm not, is that like a more this was cut? So this was a, his album, or I guess his mixtape before um, his uh, debut, which was Good Kid, Mad City. And that was the one that really blew him up. Um, in 2012, but this was the year before that. Uh, it's called Rigor Mortis. Okay, yeah, great song. There you go. Well, uh, pretty jazzy. Yeah, it well, yeah, very jazzy. That's what it, what came to mind. I thought it was jazz, but then, you know, you could tell it wasn't. It wasn't right. It was sample. full on jazz. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you to be a music fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I dabble, I dabble in music. Right, you dabble in Taylor not, Swift. I'm not just gonna. I'm not gonna do what you do though, where you you just go and you'll listen to. Every album from from every artist, you know. You should though. Yeah, maybe. I I feel like I don't have the time, even though I guess listening to music really doesn't take a lot of time. It depends on what you prioritize. Like I, I can't like seriously, I can't go without music. Yeah, I mean, like my life is just sports and music. That's a, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I can go without music. That's the thing. Damn, that sucks. I'm more, I'm that a must pod- be a terrible life. I'm, I'm podcast guy. Well, you're you're also I mean you're also a father, so you have yes different priorities than me. Yeah, I have all the songs in my head from Encanto and <laughs> Moana and all those movies that my son watches. So. Right, so those are your your albums. Yeah, that you listen to. Yeah, but yeah, he, he had a very good birthday over the weekend. He got a lot of new presents. The problem is we have no place to put all the crap that we have now. It's just like he had, he got like thirty new presents. Getting spoiled huh? on Saturday. Oh my god! He just he we had a, a birthday party that isn't really that big, but my wife has seven brothers and sisters, so just by 
nature, even if we're having just immediate family there. Right. It's pretty big. Wow. So, yeah, he, he got a lot of gifts, and he's very happy about it. Now, That's nice. Now he thinks any time anybody brings anything home, it's presents. Expectations like, are sky high now. I came home today with groceries, and he starts screaming. He's like, more presents, more presents. And I'm like, no, these are not presents. They're, they're <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so. Uh, he, he enjoyed his birthday. That, that was like that was like Eagles fans when we won the Super Bowl. Right. Like, okay, now we got now we got to win. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We'll get into the Sixers in a few minutes here. But talking about the Eagles, your thoughts on the Denard Wilson departure? Uh, Denard Wilson apparently wanted to stay as the defensive backs coach. Nick Sirianni though elects to go in a different direction. Uh, I think it's the right move. I think you got to do what's best for your team. If he felt the right move was to get rid of Denard Wilson, let Sean decide, build his own staff, then that's what you got to do. You got to do what's right by your new defensive coordinator. No problems with how Nick Sirianni handled this situation. And honestly, it, it makes me feel good about this team moving forward um, because this is where Doug failed. Doug was not able to make those difficult decisions. He was not able to, you know. I think separate the emotional attachments that he had some of the, for some of the guys on his coaching staff and uh, Nick Sirianni doing that, I think bodes very well for the future. That'll make the right decisions and not just the emotional decisions that he wants to make uh, because he likes the the people around him. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go back to the phones. Go to Jack in Fort Myers. What's up, Jack? Yeah, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I just wanted to clear up something with the slay issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were probably getting ready for your show, but Jody explained earlier that he, it's a $21 million cap, dead cap hit if they get rid of him. She, he basically said they can't get rid of him. Okay, yeah, that would certainly complicate things a little more. And then yeah, the, other I, thing, I, I, the other thing, I have a little math problem for you that I don't have the answer to. Okay. And that is that it's, it's on the Hertz contract. Okay. Why if you I want you to play owner for a minute. If you're an owner, why are they giving these quarterbacks fifty million dollars a year when Mr. Irrelevant was picked in the seventh round in the last pick and won seven games and probably made five hundred thousand? You're talking about Purdy? Yeah. Well, because I think he's the anomaly, Jack. Like honestly, I just think that's a situation that, that is very rare. And obviously, like there are instances, uh, you know, go back to Brady where guys are drafted late and end up being very good quarterbacks. But um, when you have a guy, when you find a guy, I think you need to, you need to keep him. And Jalen hurts to me has proven, you know, he's worthy of that kind of contract. Yeah. But the problem is you hurt the rest of the team. You can't keep people. Right. But what do you like? What's your alternative though? Like, are you just going to let Jalen hurts walk and you're going to go and and just draft a new quarterback? Well, I would say that, there's got to be a happy medium at some point. He's, he's very, basically out of selfishness, not just him, but all the quarterbacks are hurting themselves. And then you have, you may not have the sixth or seventh round pick like I was talking about, Purdy, but then you have the Carson Wentz's. You're given 125 million, and he doesn't even play. Yeah, well, I mean, Carson Wentz obviously kind of fell apart a little bit, Jack. But I don't think I don't know, man. I don't look at it and think that you know Jalen Hurts is selfish. I mean, this is what the market dictates, like. It's the way the 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 contracts have kind of escalated. If these guys, if no, quarterbacks I, I, are able to get that, why wouldn't they take it? No, I agree, but it, but I just don't see the business sense in it. When you have all these quarterbacks, I mean, there's tons of them that they're not even in the game anymore, and they're still getting paid millions because of bad decisions. 
Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Jack, and I, I appreciate the call. And, and I, 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 I kind of understand what you're saying there. Like, like obviously, quarterback contracts, the way they've escalated, yeah, it hurts the rest of the team, but I don't think there's any going back now. Like, I think there are some teams that are out there making huge mistakes. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if the Giants are going to give Daniel Jones $40 million a year, they're idiots. Like, that is stupid. But if you have one of the guys who you believe is worth it, then you got to pay him. Jalen's proven he's one of those guys. And, like, I agree with the general philosophy that if you even have a question whether whether the quarterback is worth paying, then he's probably not worth paying. Like that—that's really the answer to your question there. Like, if you have one of those guys who you're kind of on the fence with, whether you should give him a long-term deal or whether you should let him go, then you should probably let him go. Go back to the draft, um, and you know, try to build the team up for that three, four-year span with the rookie quarterback, and and try again. But to me, Jalen showed this year he's worth it. Like he's worth getting paid. And if he's worth getting paid, you know, you, you just gotta pay him. It's going to what you can do in terms of building the rest of the team, but in the end, you need a franchise quarterback. It's the most important position in all sports, and I don't think there's any going back with the contracts. Like, uh, you know, agents and players, they want to keep getting the most they can possibly get. I don't think, you know, from their perspective, there's nothing wrong with that and the salary cap as that continues to increase yeah I don't see uh, it going backwards in terms of quarterback deals I mean maybe what Jack was referring to is maybe the owners could all get together and kind of revolt uh, and and pay less I just don't see that happening and I don't think that's something that would uh, it really be feasible for them to do uh, moving forward I, I just think this is the way it is in quarterbacks if you have a really good one you're going to need to compensate them uh, very uh, you know, very well. And the Eagles are going to need to do that with Jalen uh, this offseason. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I did want to um, recap the Sixers game a little more re- real quick here because uh, we haven't talked about it much yet, but it was a wildly entertaining game to watch. Uh, 147-143. I mean, neither team really played any defense. And B just continues to be out of his mind this year. He scores 42 points. 19 of 19 at the line, Harden 14 points, 20 assists, uh, and 24 for Tyrese Maxey, 20 for Jalen McDaniels. So um, some good production from those guys. Nice to see Maxey back playing well and and seemingly more comfortable uh, than he had been recently. Um, But, you know, when you watch this team, the thing that really strikes you and the thing that's been a huge difference this year has been James Harden, and Harden again. Only 14 in this game. No, he did not get me the second three that I needed. Um, Was only three for 11 from the field, but was really good. And, you know, ran the offense really well. One rebound shy of a triple-double, but had 20 assists in this game. Here was Doc Rivers after the game uh, talking about Harden and and how he kind of uh, ran the offense. James's 20 assists made him the first sixer to ever have multiple 20 assist games. Yeah. Come on, Mo Cheeks. I thought you were better than that. <laughs> How impressive is it that he did it with just one turnover? Oh, you know, the one, the great thing about James overall, he pretty much doesn't turn the ball over a lot, uh, makes smart plays. But his passing, you know, when he plays like tonight and the other night, he had 30 and 10, uh, right? Tonight he had 14 and 20. Uh, you know, it's just 
uh, it just makes us so hard to beat with his ability to pass. And, you know, when Harden is playing like that, it does make this team really difficult to defend offensively. And, I mean, some of the passes that, that, that he throws sometimes are really incredible. And James Harden, for whatever you want to say about him, and I've certainly been critical of him, um, you know, he sees the floor really well, and he's, he's one, of the, one of the best, you know, point guards that we have seen. Here's more from uh, Doc talking about uh, one pass in particular that Harden made to Maxi tonight. Oh, huge, huge. Just his demeanor. Um, and also his ability to tell, like, he challenges Tyrese. You know, he went up to him twice when James Stewart's like, attack, attack. You know, James telling you that helps, you know, and that's good good for Tyrese. And, you know, if he can pick up some of the passing, that uh, he will, you know, but if he can pick that up in the timing. I mean, James threw a couple passes today, the long court, where he led guys. Um, you know, James is using the old, if, it's, if you're even – you're ahead. Uh, I think he did it three different times, and we scored on all three. I mean, those those passes are five guys, maybe, in the league type of passes. And and Harden was tremendous tonight. Now the question really does become, how do the Sixers stack up? How do they contend in the East with Boston-Milwaukee? As we said in the standing, Sixers four games back of Milwaukee, got the big win to snap their winning streak the other night, two games back of Boston, uh, but unfortunately – uh, after that loss a couple weeks ago, Sixers now uh, done in the tiebreakers. They need, would need to finish ahead of Boston, so essentially three games back of the Celtics. But, I mean, more people, as time is going by, are starting to buy into the Sixers as contenders. One of them is Kendrick Perkins of ESPN. Here was Perkins talking about the Sixers and uh, how he sees them versus Boston and Milwaukee right now. It was a statement to Tristan List that he had, and he left Joel and B and uh, James Harden off, and I called it an atrocity. And I tried to warn the world, and I said, you know what? If the 76ers are going to win, it's going to come down to James Harden outplaying Drew Holiday. And he did just that. The 76ers are legit. Make no mistake about it. When I look at him and Joel and B. The capability that they have of taking over a basketball game, them two alone, the 76ers are a legit title contender, and people need to put more respect on their name. Like, we need to stop just saying the Bucks and the Celtics. This is the second time, along with, we know that in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. And Joel Embiid over the last month whooped Jokic, and then he gave Giannis a spanking. <laughs> so I'm just saying, when we talk about the MVP conversation as well, so, I mean, you look at the Sixers right now, and obviously, you know, a big win against Milwaukee on Saturday night. They beat the Pacers. Um, how do you think they stack up with the Celtics and Bucks? And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, I still don't think they beat either of those teams in a playoff series. I just don't. Because in my mind, when I look at those teams, I don't think it's an issue with them beating Harden. And again, like... I will disqualify all the preconceived notions that I have about about Harden and his playoff past and that I have about Embiid and, and you know, his past, past playoff performances as well and he how he's kind of responded from a mental perspective. I'll disqualify all that. And just looking at the rosters, to me, depth is where the Sixers have a massive deficit against those teams. They just do. You even look at tonight, and I understand tonight, Tobias Harris, P.J. Tucker out, out, out of this game. But you're playing Indiana. You have Harden playing 40 minutes. You have Embiid and Maxie each playing 37 minutes. 
This against the Indiana Pacers, uh, you know, in early March, in a series against Boston and Milwaukee, to me, this is the difference. Because, you know, guys who you have playing tonight, Daniel House plays 18 minutes. Shake Milton plays 30. George Yang plays 11. Other than Shake, I don't think, I mean, House and Yang, I don't even think are playable in the postseason. Like, you put those guys on the floor, they're going to get exploited. They're going to get torched. Like, those guys can't defend. And this is the big issue I see with the Sixers. They have six, seven, maybe eight guys who you can really feel good about playing in a playoff series. You have Melton coming off the bench. Then you have, I mean, McDaniels, maybe. I mean, McDaniels looked good tonight. I would, if he can take a step forward offensively, that would be a big um a, a big addition for this team. But do I think Jalen McDaniels at this point in his career is going to be able to give you consistent offense? Probably not. It's probably not going to happen. You know, you look at guys like Paul Reed, uh, like McDaniels and Reed are legitimate players who the Sixers are going to need to count on in the playoffs. And when you just don't have that level of depth, when you can't go deep into your bench, that's a real big problem. Like, that's a real big issue when you go up against the Bucs, you go up against the Celtics, those teams go 10 deep easy. Like, they have full second units that they can bring in and feel confident about those guys throughout the course of a game. To me, I don't think the Sixers beat the Celtics or the Bucks in a series, and mainly it's because of the depth. It's not because of Embiid. It's not because of Harden, all that stuff that we talked about, you know, the past playoff failures. I'm taking that out of it entirely. I'm just looking at it from these teams' rosters right now. And I just don't think they have the depth. Would love to get your take on it. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. What about you, Francisco? As, as what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, they played in a lot of entertaining games here. Has it changed anything for you in terms of like how you view this team heading into the playoffs? No, I mean, TK, we've I know it's kind of beaten a dead horse. We've talked about it before, but like, I don't know. Like Paul Reed had a great game, I think, the other night where he had uh a double double. Um, Jalen Daniels had a great game tonight. Um, we've seen Shake Milton in the past have great games, but he's been super inconsistent. Like, there's just so many unknowns going into the playoffs where you don't want to have these unknowns. You know, like Jalen McDaniels, Shake Milton, George Niang, um, Jalen McDaniels, Daniel House. Like, these guys haven't really proven. And, and, and another one, Tobias. Like, Tobias is proven to be inconsistent. I mean, he's averaging 15 points a game this year. Like, we can talk about the contract all we want, but, like, we just need him to be, you know, the 18 to 20 points a game type of guy, and especially, like, in the playoffs. Um, like, these guys just – there's just too many um, unreliable players, unreliable pieces that the Sixers need, to need you know, going into the playoffs. Like, Boston and Milwaukee are good teams. Like, they need, they need these reliable pieces and – um, that's the biggest thing for me. That's why they don't stack up against these other teams who have done it in the past. Yeah, and I'd say the most encouraging thing out of the game tonight is that you do see that Jalen McDaniels has this potential to score 20 in a game, but, like, in the playoffs, you're going to need offense from him every single night. And, again, like, and it's why Saturday is so kind of frustrating because it is a bit of a tease. Because the Sixers, on individual nights, they can do that. They can have these great performances. We've seen it for years now. But can you do it four times in a seven-game series? And that's the problem, and especially when you have no bench. And Beaton Harden, two guys who are, are known for breaking down as seasons go on, 
they're going to need to play at minimum 42, 43 minutes. Minimum in those games. Every single night. Yeah. And how are they going to hold up? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm just going to go back to your word potential there, TK. We've been talking about potential for five years now, right? Five years. 2018 with Simmons and Embiid when they went into the playoffs on the 16-game win streak um, and the team they had back then with, like, JJ and, um, you know, they, they've had the potential. It's it's always been there, but, like, it's it's really not anything. And that team was honestly the best the best depth they had. Like, Which one, the 2018 or 2019? 20, 2018 with like Ilyasova, yeah, Bellinelli, yeah. and having those guys off the bench, and they those just... were exciting times, man. Like they were, we were looking to the future. Here we are, five years later, nothing has changed. Oh my god! At that point, it was like, oh yeah, Sixers will win a title. By oh, easily. Twenty two. Like I remember, no I remember Simmons. I remember Simmons got interviewed after I think might have been game one or right after the first round. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just worried about winning rings, man. That's that's all I'm worried about. Man, things have changed. I'm a fraud. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I see our guy, Tony, our draft expert, Tony. Uh, We'll talk to him when we get back. Hopefully he's got a song for us as well. And also, I'm going to do something I I don't want to do, but I think I need to do, and that is defend Carson Wentz. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. I'll be back in tomorrow night as well. Uh, And uh, since Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll resurrect our weekly conversation with Dave Uram. Dave Uram will join us tomorrow. I saw Dave was getting bullied on Twitter on Monday by Union fans. Really? What did he do? He put up a tweet. I got to find the exact tweet here. He he put up a tweet. um, Probably just doing his job. Yeah, he was doing his job, but Union fans didn't like it. He put put up a tweet, I think it was about who was the best general manager in town, but he he left out the Union general manager. Yeah, he asked, uh, which Philadelphia front office, front office executive do you have the most confidence in? And he listed Howie, Dombo, uh, Daryl Morey, and uh, Chuck Fletcher, and apparently a bunch of Union fans were very upset he didn't put Ernst Tanner? Is that the name of Excuse me. GM? There's not even a fifth option anyway. Yeah, like well, you can't have a fifth option. Well, well, they were very upset with him. So yeah, well, all of like ten Union fans. Hey, the, the, you better be careful, Francisco, because I'm I know, I know more than anybody when the soccer oh, the right. soccer the, people the come soccer after God, you. Right? Yeah, I mean the, the soccer US, people US have come for me before. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so. U.S. soccer is dead in the ground, according to you. I mean, it is. They, they, nope. They, 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 they have progressed. They blew it in the World Cup. I mean, come on. So what? But this, Oh, my God. No, nah, I'm not going to do this. D- disgraceful. But, yeah, you, Ram, I'll ask him tomorrow about how it felt to get, get bullied by Union fans. We have something in common now. We've both been uh, bullied online by soccer fans. So I'm happy for you guys. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how you, Ram, dealt with that when we talk to him tomorrow. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. But want to get your thoughts on the Sixers and whether you think, um, you know, anything has changed with this team. I mean, they're certainly playing better. James Harden has looked this year uh, unlike I thought he had the capability of looking anymore. Like, I didn't think James Harden was capable of playing this way anymore. He's been very good. But, uh, you know, I don't think this team has the depth to match up with Milwaukee and Boston uh, in a series. I think that's going to be their downfall, but I'd love to get your take on it. 215-592-9494. A 
Let's go to our buddy Tony. What's up, Tony? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Everything is okay. You know, I thought that was Nick, and that's my man, Cookie Rojas. There you, you know? go. Yep, Cookie Rojas. Definitely. It's good to be ha- good to have y'all in the house. Uh, I want to talk about the um, – first, let me just address a couple things. That situation with the Eagles is messy, and Howie and Jeffrey should have stepped in before it got that way. So that's my thing. They should never allow Nick to have that meeting by himself. He's not a PR person, so you gotta bring, you gotta have the whole board in there, you know. So that's that's just well, another. Well, story. Tony, it wasn't like it wasn't a PR thing. I mean, it was it was Sirianni meeting with a coach, like, and if Sirianni's right. got the final call, then he's got the final call. Right, but let me just say because I don't want to take a lot of time at that. Okay, he's not an office staff member; he's a coach. You and they do everything else together, so they should have been there with him as he was addressing the situation. My thing is that you already knew that he was upset. So my thing is that they, Howie and Jeffrey, should have sat in. That's all I'm saying. I hear you. I hear you too. You know, let me just say, um, I don't, I don't want these old guys back, man. I love Brad Barry, but let me tell you something. He struggles against some um, quick um, receivers that have burning speed. I want to get this guy out of um, Arizona. His name is Byron Murphy. Now, I don't want to scare nobody. This is not Byron Maxwell. It's a different Byron. I know people thinking, that you know, this is Byron Murphy, and he's young. He's like 25 years old, and a guy can play, and he got some height to him out of Arizona. You can get him for like three years, maybe $35 million, which is cheaper than you would get Bradbury. Now, what I'm going to do with this draft, hey, remember I told you about Julius Brents? Out of Kansas State, the guy is 6'4", 202 pounds, and he quick, you know. Then you got Riley Moss out of Iowa. You got Daniel Scott, the safeties. He's like 6'3", out of Iowa. Oh, he's actually out of Cal. I'm sorry, where Deshaun Jackson's from. Okay. You got um, Trey Murphy, um, Trey Dean, excuse me, Trey Dean the third out of um, the University of Florida. You got four cornerbacks, six foot one and up, and they can also play safety. You don't need to be loading up on these old guys, okay? So, the, with that said, I'll just give you my sleepers as far as the last rounds. Now, the thing is, is that there's a, a, a um, linebacker out of Washington. His name is Edafuen Olafusho. He's a heck of a linebacker. He calls his strips. He calls his fumbles. Nobody's talking about this guy. He has like an African name. I want you to check him out. Okay. So, those are a couple of draft nuggets. And also, I know you wanted me to do a song for you. Yeah, okay. I'd love you to do a song. Tony. All right, most definitely. This is our Blue Magic on spell. Okay. Trouble sleeping, trouble dreaming of you. Trouble speaking, trouble thinking of you. Something strange has happened. I just can't help myself together. No kind of way. Cause you. That's called spell. Nice, Tony. I appreciate Thanks. it, man. My pleasure. Thanks, as always. Tony. Tony, is, is Tony not a talented guy, Francisco? That was, yo, man, that was. I mean, Draft he went expert from, by day. Right. I, I, t- I said to yeah. you in your ear, I said, Mel Kuyper disciple. Yeah. And then he goes to Neo, where he's just hitting these high notes. I mean, that was beautiful. I mean, he really got out there in that one note. I was really impressed. Draft expert by day and, and you know, singer by night. Incredible. That's unbelievable. I yeah. mean, he doesn't sleep.
No, he. I. I really don't think Tony does still leave. Yeah, he, that, I mean, how's he going to do all this, all this draft research and work on his voice at the same time? That was that was really impressive. I didn't know he. I didn't. I didn't know he sang. That was. I mean, you said he had. A, he said he had a song, but I didn't. I didn't really think it was. I mean, it was good. Yeah. No. Wow. It, it, Tony's a great singer, and we always appreciate him uh, adding that to the to to the show and adding his musical stylings. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in. Um, but one thing I wanted to wanted to talk about for a second here is uh, Peter King, who I don't know. Peter King's been getting on my nerves a little bit lately, to be honest. Uh, you know, he, he was crying about the tush push last week and he does his big Monday morning column every week. And Peter King, obviously one of the best columnists, uh, you know, in sports. But he said something on Monday that. I couldn't I mean I just think it's so over the top that that it needs to be addressed and I I have to do something that I really don't want to do but I feel obligated to do and that's defend Carson Wentz because you know he's talking about Wentz and what is going to become of him next year and he says the question is how much will Wentz allow himself to be humbled will he be a backup that helps the starter will he be a selfless teammate the tables have turned for him radically. Wentz, before injuring his knee in December 2017, the Eagles' Super Bowl season was a strong contender to win MVP. Today he's on the street at 30, and no team would consider him as a potential starter in 2023. I agree with all that. Like, I don't think Carson Wentz is getting a – he's certainly not being handed a starting job going into next year. And I think it's it's unlikely – that he's even in a position where he's competing for a starting job next year. But then he goes on to say, even though Wentz was on his way to a great season before injuring his knee in 2017, he could never repeat it and, in fact, regressed. I'd argue that no player in NFL history has cost so much and delivered so little. And I'll tell you what, that is a stinging uh, you know, couple sentences right there. And it's also Totally untrue. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And I'm no no Carson Wentz fan, okay? Like, I really was happy when Carson Wentz was gone. I wanted him gone, I would say, before most in 2020. Wanted him bench. One Jalen Hurts get an opportunity. But, I mean, come on, man. Are you forgetting all the players, all the quarterbacks in NFL history? that never did anything. Like, Carson Wentz, yeah, his career's flamed out here. But to say that he has cost more and delivered less than any player in NFL history is just absurd. I mean, just thinking about some of the quarterbacks, I mean, you forget about, like, Tim Couch, who was drafted number one the year Donovan was drafted number two. I mean, that guy was terrible. Jamarcus Russell, who was expected to be, you know, one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL for years, that guy's a total bust. Like, and again, like I'm not arguing on behalf of Carson Wentz being a good player or being somebody who deserves to start in this league anymore. But to say that, you know, he has cost more and delivered less than anybody, that's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, he's made a lot of money. And his past couple of years have gone really poorly. No doubt about it. But even the years have gone poorly, like, let's be honest. The year in Indianapolis still won some games that year. Like, the the 2019 year with the Eagles was not awful the entire time. I mean, they were 5-7, and seven, 
ends up playing well at the end of the season, they end up getting the playoffs. And if you want to get in, got open lines, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. But, I mean, I don't know. I think that's going way over the top. I mean, he did have an MVP caliber season in 2017. Not many quarterbacks put themselves in position to do that. What do you think, Francisco? I just thought that was way over the top. Well, uh, so I'm trying to think of – so. Peter King's point, I guess, is that for the money he's been making the last couple of years is that he has not delivered very much. But but also, like, I still think he played well for Indianapolis over, you know, the course of that season. It didn't end well. Obviously, he made a lot of, you know, mistakes down the stretch. But he still, like, had, like, a fairly, like, uh, productive season. So, like, I I think he's wrong off the bat. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, someone like uh, Kenny Galladay comes to mind. I mean, how much money was he making this year? Had, yeah. like, two catches um, supposed to be a number one receiver. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I don't know. You mentioned Tim Couch. Like, I never watched him play or anything like that. I guess I never, didn't really ever have to. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I, – th- definitely over the top. I mean, like, I, I get the whole, like, he's making a lot of money and he's, um, you know, he's regressed and stuff like that. But it's definitely an over-the-top. It's hyperbolic. Yeah, absolutely. It's hyperbolic. I mean, let's face it. Like, and again, I'm not a Carson Wentz fan. I, you know, understand all the animosity in Philadelphia towards him. I think it's well founded. You know, he was obviously a baby about the way things ended here. He was not a good teammate. He was not a good teammate, according to reports, even in the Super Bowl season after he got hurt. But to say he has cost so much and delivered so little more than anybody else in NFL history. I mean, that's just a ridiculous statement by Peter King and, and way over the top. So I'll defend Wentz on this one, this time and this time only. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. You'll want to get on that. Talking about the Sixers a little earlier on and also the Eagles and Nick Sirianni's decision not to bring back Denard Wilson. I think it was the right decision. Uh, you got to do what's best for your team. And if he thought that's what's best for the football team, that's what you got to do. So if you want to get in, you're welcome to 215-592-9494. And when we get back, uh, Francisco, are you ready with your World Baseball Classic preview? I'm always ready. Okay. Well, you're going to give us a World Baseball Classic preview when we get back because I'm paying much attention to this. But when does it start? It starts this week? Starts tonight, actually. Starts tonight. 11 o'clock p.m. 11 o'clock. Netherlands and Cuba. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. Francisco will give us a preview when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215 592 9494 is how you join the show. Uh, talking with some some Sixers tonight. Sixers beat the Pacers 147 143. 14 points, 20 assists, nine or 20 rebounds. Yeah, 20 assists, nine rebounds for James Harden. That's right. Um, but uh, Sixers get the big win. Uh, they're back at it on Tuesday night in Minnesota. And one and I think they stack up against the Bucks and the Celtics. I don't think they have the depth to compete with those teams in the playoffs. Um, and I, I think that's going to be their problem. You know, I think that from the top-notch talent, they're a competitive team. Uh, but I do think the depth is a massive issue. And I think in the playoffs, that's going to really show. You only have six, seven, eight guys. Maybe you can play in a playoff series. Daniel House, George Niang, you can't put those guys out there in the postseason. 
they're going to get exploited defensively. They're going to get eaten up. Uh, I think that's a bad spot to be in. So talking about that, talking about the Eagles, we'll get back to that as well. Uh, the Denard-Wilson um, either mutual parting the ways, firing as Marcus Hayes put it in his piece, um, but I think Nick Sirianni did the right thing. you got to do what's right for your football team. And if he thinks that's the right move, if he thinks this situation would have become uncomfortable, then, you know, that's what you got to do. No problem with what Nick Sirianni did. So if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. And in a minute, I did want to do something throughout the rest of the show and talk about, you know, sports conspiracy theories. Because I have a conspiracy theory that I just won't give up on. Uh, and I think is 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 legitimately something that's going on. So we'll get to that uh, a little later this segment. But first, um, Francisco, I need you to give us a preview of the the highly anticipated for some World Baseball Classic this week. Now I know nothing about this. I know nothing about the tournament structure, how this is working. So you're going to have to explain it all to me here. All right. So I, where where do you want me to start? Just explain how many teams are in it. Like, what's the bracket situation, and and you know, what, what do you, what do you see? So, all right, so so thirty teams. Um, there's five, four 30, pools. Thirty teams. Yeah, thirty teams. Wow. Um, yeah. So there's pool A, B, C, and D. Um, thirty teams. So two teams per pool will qualify for the you know quote unquote playoffs. So it's like the World Cup essentially. Pretty much. Yeah, I know you're a World Cup expert, so yes. you you understand. Um, so yeah, so we got. The U.S., obviously, we want to talk about the U.S. Um, they are in Pool C with Mexico, Colombia, Canada, and Great Britain. Um, Mexico, probably the team to, um, you know, that's probably you're going to be most worried about if the U.S., as far as, um, you know, that pool goes. Uh, Canada, you got, like, Freddie Freeman there. Um, there's a couple of other major league players. Some of these teams are hard to gauge because there's a lot of teams that don't have uh, major league players, um, so it's it's kind of tough to look at some of these teams that aren't like the U.S., Mexico, Venezuela, uh, Dominican Republic. They're going to be um, the biggest threat to the U.S. It's really it's really it comes down to the U.S. and Dominican Republic. That's who it's going to be. Um, hopefully, we get that uh, in the in the final. I mean, both teams are absolutely stacked. Um, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is out for the Dominican Republic. But it doesn't matter because they're still just stacked at every single uh, position, uh, pitching everywhere. They're stacked. So is the U.S. Though, so, like this might be the best uh, uh, team that the U.S. has probably ever fielded, even coming off of 2017, where uh, they they beat Puerto Rico, um, you know, eight nothing in the in the final to to win that World Baseball Classic. Um, but this team is. I mean, is almost pretty. I mean, you, you know a couple of these players, man. I mean, I know you know all the players, but um, here in Philadelphia, obviously, we know um, Trey Turner, a top ten player in baseball. Um, JT Romuto, the best catcher in baseball, he's on the team. Kyle Schwarber, um, who Nick, me and Nick Earnshaw, we talked about this yesterday. We did a World Baseball Classic preview uh, ourselves for our uh, show. The shift, correct? The shift. That there is you correct. Go. Nice. And he thinks that Kyle Schwarber will ha- will have. Uh, an MVP type of World Baseball Classic. He bricks him to win or to get eight home runs. Um, I don't know how that's going to happen. Eight home runs? Yeah, that's a pretty exact number. Yeah, that's what he says. How well, you can ga- talk about that with Nick next time you see him. How many games are they playing? Like, how long does this <sighs> thing take? Are they, like, that's gone a- for the rest of spring training now? No, so it's three weeks. Um, okay. So, yeah. I'm not, I, I, I haven't really doubled. I have to look at the schedule again, but 
Um, I don't know how Schwarber's going to hit eight home runs when you have Trout, Tucker, and Mookie Betts in that outfield. I don't know how much playing time he's really going to get. There is the DH. Um, but when I look at first base where it's Goldschmidt and your boy Pete Alonzo because you hate Reese Hoskins so much. Um, so one of those guys are going to DH probably Alonzo because Goldschmidt's a much better uh, fielding first baseman. Um, but I'm telling you, man, that infield, I, I definitely want to pound in the U.S. here because obviously that's what we most care about here. Um, I mean, the infield is probably going to be Goldschmidt, Arenado, Trey Turner. Um, and second base, you could probably put Tim Anderson there or a uh, maybe Mookie. Maybe Mookie will play second base. I don't know. Um, but they're just stacked everywhere. Uh, maybe Jeff McNeil will maybe play second base. Um, pitching, they did kind of take a hit with Clayton Kershaw. He's going to be out. Um, I'm trying to think who else uh, pitching wise was uh, supposed to supposed to be there. Nestor Cortez, who had a big year for the Yankees last year, he was supposed to play, but he's out. Um, but they they're still they're still stacked there. You got uh, Daniel Bard, Jason Adam, uh, Merrill Kelly, Lance Lynn. Um, they're stacked, man. So, it's a, go ahead. So, well, who are you picking here? Who are you picking? <sighs> if I had to pick, if I had to pick, we, me and Nick, were going back and forth on this. I. I still think the U.S. has an edge as far as the uh, their lineup goes. I think their lineup's just that good that I think they can just, you know, in this type of tournament, I think they can out-hit their way to win the title. Um, I think that maybe uh, Dominican Republic might have the edge in pitching. You got Sandy Alcantara over there, um, who obviously coming off a Cy Young season. Mm-hmm. Um but I'd say the U.S. wins, but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. I would pay attention if I were you. Okay, well, I'll, I'm just saying, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll I'll, I'll watch the games. These games, there are they going to be going on overnight tomorrow night? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll watch tomorrow night. Here, I'll give you one other little nugget. I'm curious to know your because uh, I know you love drama. Uh-huh. Um, Marcus Stroman was the was the uh, World Baseball Classic MVP for the U.S. in 2017. He's playing for Puerto Rico. This this World Baseball Classic. Okay, I don't know if it has anything to do with his parents, whatever it is, but I just found that really interesting. I mean, the guy just won MVP for the U.S. five years ago, and he's going to be playing for a different country he this defected. time around. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of wild, right? That is that is inter- an interesting nugget. Yeah, so yeah. I I know you like drama, so I I'm, yeah I can see you're smiling over yeah. there. Yeah, you, you like it. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. The World Baseball Classic, and if anybody wants to chime in on it, uh, you're welcome to. I don't know. I just can't get excited for these kind of tournaments. Like it, it just, it's not something that really piques my interest all that much. But who knows? Maybe it'll be captivating. Maybe it'll excite people uh, over the next couple of weeks. Nice little appetizer for for baseball season. You, you I'll tell remember? you what, it beats spring training baseball. It uh, at okay, least I has consequences. But you so. don't re- you don't remember when Adam Jones robbed Manny Machado last World Baseball Classic? I do not. Oh come I was on. not. I was not watching. Yeah, but you don't see the clip on Twitter every now and then. No, uh, I don't remember. But okay, never mind. I, I'm glad. Thank you for uh, giving us the breakdown. I do appreciate that. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you join uh, the show here. But um, a lot of different topics uh, we're discussing tonight. Um, one of which you were talking about the Sixers a few minutes ago, and one of the things in the Eastern Conference right now uh, that that has been an interesting. Uh, storyline this season. The Miami Heat, who are just kind of really falling off this year. There's seven seed in the East at this point, And just things aren't going well down in Miami. And Jimmy Butler making some 
very weird comments, I would say, uh, following some of their games. And here was Jimmy Butler the other night, basically just talking about, you know, how the Heat just are relatively disinterested right now in what's going on. When we be taking bad shots, when we turn the ball over, and then we just don't get back. Or if we do get back, we're not in the gaps. Then they just dribble around us. Um, we just got to put up more resistance on that side of the floor, especially in transition. Even if we're not in transition, we got to guard our yard. say um we're gonna figure it out so this doesn't seem i don't i don't know it doesn't seem that invested here's more from jimmy talking about how that team just kind of bored right now i mean i'm at a point now i think everybody is where um it doesn't surprise us we just we really get bored with the process and i i I can't tell you why and you know we, we we play hard, and sometimes we get back in a game like we did tonight, and sometimes we don't. But either way it goes, if we just play basketball the right way, the entire game, I don't think that we're in that situations more situation more often than not. But for some odd reason, um, we think it's going to be easy, so we just go out there and go through the motions. And it just kind of weird comments from that team. Like they don't seem invested. Jimmy doesn't seem very invested. And I wanted to bring this up in the last couple of hours of the show here. And I wanted to get people's sports conspiracy theory. Like, what's a conspiracy theory that you're, like, all in on that you just won't give up? Because I am I, – and I want to get your take on this, Francisco. I am of the belief that Jimmy Butler is mailing in the end of this season so it ends as badly as possible for the Miami Heat so they go out and try to trade for Joel Embiid. Like, that is just something that I am so – Locked in on, like, I believe Jimmy Butler has been recruiting Embiid since the minute he went to Miami. And I just feel like this is, this is intentional from the Heat. This is, like, when have you heard Jimmy Butler basically say, yeah, we're just bored out there? You know, this is very unlike Jimmy Butler. Like, this is not, like, it's weird, right? Very odd. I mean, he, look, he changed his hairstyle this year. Uh, Very odd. Um, He says these comments, very odd. I don't know. Yeah, not like Jimmy Buckets to me. Yeah. And it's just something that I, I don't know. It just seems like like no. he doesn't want this season to go well. Like, because I think you're Jimmy Butler. You're sitting back. You kind of know that team's not going to the finals. Like, they're not beating the Bucs. They're not beating the Celtics. If their season ends somewhat poorly, puts pressure on the organization. You know, if the Sixers season ends poorly, they go, you know, maybe MB demands a trade. So I don't know. I, I, I am, I, I, this is a, a theory I've kind of had for a while here. I've said it before and I just can't give it up. Like I think, I, I think Jimmy Butler is tanking this season to get you all in beat. And I'll, I'll just retaliate here. You know what my theory is? What's my that? theory is that like people are like, Oh, Joel Embiid's going to one out. I think he wants, I think he's a sixer for life. Well, I hope you're right. I, I generally think, I, I think he wants to stick it out here and he wants to try to win as badly as possible here. Well, I, I as hope long as he can right. stay healthy and all that. Yeah. And hopefully that's the case. I don't know. I think if this season ends poorly, I could see him. I could see him asking. I can't. I with Joel Embiid. I can't see that. He doesn't seem that type of guy. Like he doesn't seem like. Oh yeah, I want out so I could try to win. Nah, in man. the I, end, in the end, I think he's like every other NBA superstar. Nah. In the I end, they want to win, man. Like you want to win I championships, know. and if they, they get to the end of the season, and you know he determines for whatever reason that he doesn't think he can win here. I think he's going to look uh, look elsewhere. I think I think he loves the city of Philadelphia. Well, I think I, he does. I think he wants to win badly for us, but that's just me. I, I hope you're right, um, and we'll see him. If the six, Sixers can solve a lot of these problems, 
if they just like go to the finals, that would obviously be the easiest solution. Uh, but uh, barring that happening, uh, yeah, I think that could be where we're headed this offseason. So if you want uh, to give me your conspiracy theories, your sports conspiracy theories, I'd love to get those from you as well. 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. When we get back, I did want to uh, get into get get into Philly spring training a little bit and why – you know, the Andrew Painter news, while being concerning, is not heartbreaking for me. And I think uh, the reaction has been a little over the top of the Andrew Painter news. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on this uh, Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, talking about the Eagles tonight. And Denard Wilson being let go by Nick Sirianni and the staff. Now, uh, differing reports here. Initially, this is being reported as a mutual parting of the ways. But Marcus Hayes of the Inquirer, also here of WIP, uh, writes that this was not a mutual parting of ways. That Denard Wilson wanted to stay. He wanted to remain a part of this staff. Wanted to stay as the Eagles defensive backs coach. And Nick Sirianni decided to go in another direction. And... I don't think, you know, Nick Sirianni did anything wrong here. I think when you look at this situation, you need to do what's best for your football team. And while, yeah, there might have been players in that locker room that liked Denard Wilson and wanted him to be the 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 first defensive coordinator and then defensive backs coach, your loyalty has got to be the organization. Your loyalty has got to be to your new defensive coordinator. And say Sean Desai wanted the own, his own people under him say, you know, he wanted different coaches in those spots, then that needs to be Nick Sirianni's priority. And to me, this is an encouraging sign because this is where Doug Peterson failed. Like, when you look at where Doug's downfall began, it was the fact that he was unwilling to make changes to his coaching staff. He was unwilling to go outside the organization. He was unwilling to, you know, not just reward the people under him. And I'm not saying that's never the right idea. In some situations it is, and Nick Sirianni in the offensive side did just that with Brian Johnson. But in this case, you know, they cast a wide net, as they said, with their um, their interview process. They decided Sean Desai was the best hire. And, you know, if that's the case, you got to be loyal to that guy. You got to do what's going to put him in the best position to succeed. And if Nick Sirianni felt Denard Wilson could not continue on as the defensive backs coach here, it really doesn't matter what the players feel. It really doesn't matter what they think. You got to trust your coaches. You got to trust what you think is best for the organization. And I think Nick Sirianni did the right thing um, in moving on and restructuring this coaching staff uh, the way that he is. So if you want to get on that, 215-592-9494, Did Nick Sirianni make a mistake in letting Denard Wilson go, very respected coach by the players? I don't think so. So if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. Also, uh, discussing the Sixers tonight, they win, beat the Pacers 147-143 in Indiana. James Harden, another just tremendous game. 14 points, uh, 20 assists. Didn't shoot well from the field, but when you're making plays the way he's making plays and controlling the game the way he is, you know, it's not the scoring's not the end all be all here. But in the end, when I look at this team and I stack them up against Milwaukee and I stack them up against Boston, 
I just think the depth issues are too much. Like, I don't think they have enough playable guys in the playoffs to beat either of those teams, and that's the biggest problem. Boston, Milwaukee, they can each go 10 guys deep easily. The Sixers have, you know, eight players at most that I feel are playable in a playoff series, and that to me is the biggest problem. It's not the guys at the top of the roster. It's not anything dealing with previous playoff failures. It's just the fact that I don't think this roster is deep enough, uh, and I think that's their biggest problem. So if you want to get in on that, you're welcome to. And also your sports conspiracy theories. Mine is that, uh, as we just heard some Jimmy Butler quotes in the last segment, some weird Jimmy Butler quotes, in which he just seems totally disinterested in what the Heat are doing this year. Um, It's the Jimmy Butler's tanking this season so they can get Joel Embiid this offseason. And you can laugh at me all you want, Francisco, but I'm telling you, I – you got to admit that was weird. You got to admit it. I mean, yeah, why? Something can be weird without it being conspiracy. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, you I, know I'm right. I, I, I offer the. Have you ever had a, a sports conspiracy theory that you're like dug in on? I, I stay away from sports, uh, sports conspiracy theories. I stay away from those because they're not true. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. Unless like it was like the nineteen nineteen Black Sox, where people are like, oh, the the the, the White Sox are blow, blowing the they're tanking the World Series, whatever you want to call it, throwing it, and they were right. Right. But that's about it. Okay. Well, well, fair enough. But if anybody has one of those, they want to get in. Uh, you're welcome to do that too. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But I did want to talk a little bit about the Phillies here, as the big story the last couple of days has not been positive. Uh, with Andrew Painter suffering elbow soreness and still, I guess, no uh, update on his status. Here was Todd Zalecki, who was on with the Midday Show on Monday, uh, giving the latest on Painter. Do not think there's going to be an update today. That was kind of the indication I got this morning in Clearwater. I'm in Sarasota right now. So unless Rob Thompson gets some sort of uh, update between now and postgame, uh, we might not hear anything until tomorrow. My best guess is that they are giving whatever test he had. I assume he got an MRI. They're getting a second opinion on it from another doctor. Now, that that does not mean worst case scenario or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just think they want to give this thing another look. But he has not thrown since he pitched last week in Fort Myers. And because he's 19, because he's a potential superstar, I would think that this really hurts his chances of of being on the the opening day roster. I think they're going to try to give him some time here. Well, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Obviously, a lot of hopes for Andrew Painter coming into spring training that he would be on that opening day roster, that he would have a spot in the rotation. And this certainly seems to throw that off track. He was more on Painter and where the Phillies go from here. The elbow, you know, uh, whatever they call it, if it's just like a 10 a few weeks. And then they slowly ramp them back up. That's why I think, you know, if it, if it is just that, if it's just a 19-year-old kid who hasn't experienced some elbow soreness ever in his career, uh, maybe he's being overly cautious about it, which would be great news. But, again, it probably hurts his chances of, of breaking camp with the team. And definitely. There's no doubt it's going to hurt his chances of, of breaking camp with the team. And I want to know, are you, like, gutted by this Andrew Painter news? Because I know a lot of Phillies fans are. And if you want to get in 215 215-592-9494. And what kind of effect do you think this has on the season? Because the way I see it, like, obviously you're going to hope for the best. But honestly, I don't think Phillies fans should be devastated 
by this news, especially when it comes to this season in the short term. Because, you know, while we had high hopes for Andrew Painter, let's face it, like, there's a reason why 19-year-olds typically aren't going around Major League Baseball contributing to teams. It's just not very likely that it's actually going to happen. You know, and, and we see Andrew Painter's ability. We see his talent. And we see where this team has a, a void and that they could use uh, another arm and another guy in the starting rotation. But it was always going to be a long shot for Andrew Painter to be a major contributing contributor to this team this year. Like, that was always going to be a long shot. It was always probably more realistic that he was going to go down to the minor leagues or, you know, they'd be very conservative with his arm because you don't want to wear a guy like that out early in his career. Like, the idea of Andrew Painter throwing meaningful innings, you know, late in the season in the playoffs, I always thought was kind of a long shot. So when I look at this situation, long-term, yeah, it's a concern. Long-term, you got to make sure the kid's okay. you got to make sure this arm issue is not something that will plague him deep into his career. But I don't think this really affects anything for the 2023 Phillies outlook. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, do you think this really sets the Phillies back this year, the Andrew Painter injury? Because And who knows? It could come out in the next couple days that it's nothing. Now, I would tend to think, like, the silence I don't think is good. Um, and I, I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say that this means, you know, he's got serious issues and is going to need to get Tommy John surgery. But the fact that it's taking this long for the Phillies to release any sort of update or any sort of diagnosis, it seems a little weird. Like, it seems a little fishy, but I don't know. Like, Francisco, do you think this really changes anything with the outlook this year? Because I don't. No, I wanted to – I mean, I'm with you. I wanted to play it safe. I don't – I think, you know, dating back to last year, at least at the end of last year and coming into spring training this year, I think Bailey Fulter's kind of earned that, um, earned the fifth starter spot anyway. So, unless Painter was going to come in and he was actually going to – absolutely just going to blow everybody away, um, I was always going to kind of consider – you know, falter the, the guy, the fifth starter spot. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, now, I am a little nervous about the the whole painter injury. and um, But, I mean, this is common, though, at the same time, right? Like, I mean, this this happens to young pitchers and just pitchers in general um, in Major League Baseball, you know, nowadays anyway. It seems like, seems like almost every pitcher goes through this at some point, right? Like, Dustin May just got back last year for the Dodgers from Tommy John. Um, he's a pretty, still a pretty young pitcher. Um, that's one that comes to mind. Like, Painter, this this is just you know, it's it's unfortunate. Hopefully that's not what it is. I'm not like like you said. I'm trying not to allude to that, but um, I I really think when it comes back to is like I, I wanted Falter to to kind of be that fifth fifth starter spot anyway. Yeah, and I think when you when you look at at this Painter situation, I didn't. I, I would rather have Painter as the fifth starter, but I mean, you're, you're if it's Bailey Falter, it's not the end of the world or anything. But I just never like. And I was somebody who who was hopeful that Painter would contribute this year, but the more you look at it, the more you just see it, it's it was always unlikely. Like, how many times do we see nineteen year olds or twenty year olds going out and making significant impacts on contending teams? It just doesn't really happen. There's a reason for it because you know both mentally and physically, 
they're not always ready yet. And the Phillies, they, they were always going to be conservative with Painter. You know, they weren't going to want to blow out his arm. So even if he was here to start the year, the odds are, unless they were very, very meticulous with how they were managing his innings, he wasn't going to be a factor late in the season anyway. You know, so I don't think that's I don't think it's something that affects this Phillies team this year nearly as much as it does in the future. Yeah. And I mean, good thing the Phils have some depth, right? Like Phils teams haven't had depth like this in the past, and maybe they do try to rely on someone like Andrew Painter to come up and make an impact early, which would be kind of unfair to him. Um, but I think that's, you know, good on Dombrowski and Fold for doing the job they've done, um, you know, in the offseason and everything they've done for, you know, player development and everything. Like, bullpen staff this year, you've got some depth going into this season. So I think I think that's just definitely a good thing when it comes to the situation. Yeah, and I just yeah, and I just think that obviously the the depth is is good. Uh, this team does seem pretty well stocked, but yeah, I mean obviously concerning for the future with Andrew Painter, but I don't think it really affects this team's outlook at all when you look at the twenty twenty three Phillies two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But one of the positive things uh, that we've seen down in spring training the last couple of days is Alec Bohm in the power surge. Now, he had another home run on Monday. I believe that's three now for the spring. And, I mean, looks great down there. And this is just a continuation of what we saw last year in the postseason when I thought Alec Bohm really came around and really started to be more of the more of one of the more consistent hitters in this lineup and a guy who you could really count on. Here was Bohm uh, talking on Monday about you know, his his power and, and the fact that he's looking bigger. Really just ate clean, worked out. I mean, I didn't do anything different in the weight room or anything like that. I'm just getting older, you know. I'm a kid that's growing up, so I guess, you know, my body's ready to carry more weight and things like that. I'm not necessarily, like, I didn't go into the offseason saying, all right, this offseason, like every offseason I go and say, all right, I'm going to get big this offseason, but, you know, it doesn't happen. So this offseason I just did the same thing and, I showed up and everybody thought I looked bigger. So, well, you know, saying it's it's just he's just a growing boy essentially. You know, he's just a boy that's growing up. You want a conspiracy time? What's that? I'm not going to say it. What what what? Do you think he what do you think he's on he might he's be. doing something? I didn't say anything. Uh, he might be. He's pretty dumb to do that these days. I mean, when it's it's pretty obvious you're going to get punched. I mean, you saw remember Tatis last year? He got yeah, suspended for you know, whatever it was. And he got popped for it. So. Yeah, I, I I mean, I'm just saying, players yeah. still do it. Yeah, I, I would doubt it, but uh, hopefully not. But here was more from Todd Zalecki on uh, Boehm and, and his increased power this spring. I think uh, there's reason to be optimistic for sure, and, and that's definitely the vibe I get from the coaching staff. And what's been kind of interesting is I think Alex maybe kind of like downplaying his strength gain in the offseason. He gained about maybe 10, 15 pounds of muscle. And anytime you ask him about it, he's like, oh, you know, I just, I just ate better this offseason. I didn't really change anything. But then you talk to Rob Thompson, and, and he has said, you know, this was a topic of conversation between Alec, ourselves, and the strength and conditioning staff going into the offseason that we want you to get stronger. And he says we're definitely seeing the benefits of that strength right now. And if an extra 10 to 15 pounds can maybe muscle out a few more balls uh, this season, particularly to his pull side, it, it, it would be huge. It goes without saying. I mean, if he's hitting seventh in this lineup and he hits like 20 home runs with, with, with as you mentioned, the great bat to ball skills, this lineup just becomes all that much deeper. 
And that would be huge. I mean, Boehm taking a step forward would be huge for this team. And, you know, he's one guy on this team who I am extremely confident in having a better year than they had last year. Like, when you're talking about Phillies and you're talking about guys who you can count on having a better year than they had last year, I mean, I think Alec Bohm's the slam dunk, even more than a Castellanos. Like, we talk about Castellanos, and I think it's just, like, assumed he's going to bounce back and, and be much more like the 2021 Nick Castellanos than he was uh, the guy last year. And his track record would suggest that. But I don't know. Like, I'm much more confident in a guy like Alec Bohm. I'm much more confident that Bohm is going to come back and, you know, take a massive step forward because what we saw from him late in the year and what we saw from him in the playoffs, I just thought was so encouraging. You know, he, he looked comfortable at the plate. He was hitting for power. He's hitting to all fields. Didn't seem to let really the postseason moment get to him at all. I'd say was more reliable in the field as well. So, you know, he's a guy I'm more confident in having a, a better season this year than they had last year. So I'd love to get your take on that as well. Who's a Philly who you think is going to have a better season this year than they had last year? Do you have one, Francisco? Who, who do you think? Um, Man, I, I mean, I, I, I like your bone pick. Um, it would be really nice if Bryson Stott were to break out a little bit too. Um, I'm, I think we, I might have mentioned this before. I, I kind of see Ranger Suarez kind of having like a, like maybe like a top ten in Cy Young voting type of season. Wow. I don't know what it is. Like Ranger, you know, last year was his first full year as a starter, so maybe he was, you know, kind of getting acclimated in a different way. He was like incredible the year before, but he wasn't. You know, he didn't have uh, like a certified role throughout the season. I can kind of see like Ranger. Um, I don't know. You know, we obviously Wheeler and Nola are the one A and one B in the rotation, but I can see Ranger kind of having a bit of a. I mean, he's got this confidence, the swagger. You talked about how Boehm kind of had that same type of thing in the playoffs last year. Ranger has that. He's always had that um, kind of like that Cliff Lee vibe to him. So. Yeah, Rangers kind of my pick. Right, the stuff's always been there. Um, you know, he has the confidence. You can't back down, especially as a pitcher. Like you have to, you know, be on that mound thinking that you're going to strike out every single batter you face, no matter who it is. Um, so I like I like Ranger, man. I think he's going to have a bit of a stepped up season. Yeah, now I mean that would be huge, and, and he certainly, you know, showed that ability last year in the postseason and the World Series start and. Uh, that would be huge if you can have a third guy like Ranger Suarez taking that step forward with Wheeler and Nola. Um, yeah, that would be big for the rotation. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly uh, with you on a Tuesday morning, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, uh, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, Francisco, did you see what happened at the end of the Celtics and Cavaliers game tonight? Uh, Absolutely. With, that was that was difficult to watch. Now, if you're, if you're watching this game, it's like a second left. And this was kind of, trauma, kind of traumatizing for me because I had a similar experience, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, Grant Williams gets fouled with about a, 
a second left. Now, Donovan Mitchell's trash-talking him as he goes to the line, uh, and it's a tie game. All he needs to do is make one or two free throws, and Celtics basically win the game. Uh, as Donovan Mitchell's trash-talking him, Grant Williams, you can see him say back, I'm going to make them both, goes to the line and misses both free throws. I mean, is there anything worse than that? And then they go to overtime, and the Celtics, I believe, ended up losing that game in overtime. I can't believe that you. Okay, it's number one. You're defending Carson Wentz earlier. Now you're defending a Boston Celtic. I mean, I'm number not defending two. him. I'm and just he flo- did a- you swim? Did you see on the play? He flopped. He flopped. I didn't get see to the, the actual. Line. Oh, play. it was horrible. That would. Be- so I was super happy that he missed both. He missed both free throws, right? Mm-hmm. He missed both, of course. Um, yeah, he flopped, and then tells Donovan Mitchell that he's going to make both, and he misses both. Uh, I have no sympathy. Yeah. Uh, wait, so you said this happened to you, too? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, Not surprising. Could tell you, you couldn't wait uh, to get to that part of it. But, yeah, I mean, I was I was in, like, I don't know, like eighth grade or, or something like that. But I'm playing in a in a intramural basketball game, and I get fouled, and we're down one point with uh, no seconds left. Like, it was literally, like, the last play of the game. I forget exactly how it happened. But there's no time on the clock, so it's one of those situations where they put me at the line, and I'm the only one there. Everybody else is, like, standing in the backcourt, which makes it even worse. Like, you're the only guy there, and I go to the line down one, and I miss both free throws when we lose the game. Wait, did you did you trash talk? No, I didn't trash talk. But your I podcast mean, is Trash Talk with TK. Right, right. But I did not trash talk in this instance. Um, but, yeah, I missed both free throws. So, I, I, you know, I, I kind of feel for Grant Williams. Yeah, I guess I do feel bad for him because I, I feel for him in that spot. Being in that spot, you know, kind of I, worse for an NBA player than, you know, seventh, eighth grade kid. Well, but, uh, I wanna, so were you nervous before you took the shots? Yeah, I was nervous. I mean. Were you, like, shaking? I wasn't shaking. I don't believe I was shaking. But, yeah, I was nervous, you know. And it, it makes it worse when they put everybody in the backcourt. Yeah. You know? But you got to deliver those moments, man. A, you got to deliver. Line. I know. I didn't deliver that day. You know? Imagine, yeah, like imagine if you were, that that was you being an NBA player out there. You'd be, and you were a sixer. You'd be trashing yourself, you know, and you had a show that night. You'd be you'd be trashing yourself. Yeah. I mean, definitely. But, uh, yeah, Grant Williams, I mean, that's that, that's a tough one. Going to the line and you're trash talking the other team, and then you miss both. Yeah, again, you got to go back and watch. He flopped. Okay, so no sympathy. Yeah, well, he, to, oh, you should have you should have saw it. as soon as he flopped. He gets up to the ref. He's like, "Oh my god, how do you how do you miss that?" And they give him the foul, and then he misses both shots. Uh, you know, he it, it was it was uh, it, it it made sense that he missed both. We'll have to yeah, I'll have to check that out on replay. But uh, uh, a bad miss and the Celtics lose. Uh, so that's good for the Sixers. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Now, I wanted to get uh, people's take on something else as well because, you know, I, I and I, I brought this up at the very end of my show the other night, but I need to get people's take on it because uh, this weekend my family was celebrating my son's second birthday, uh, and it was a nice party on Saturday. We had family over. And he got a lot of presents, had his birthday cake, and and everything was great. Very good day. But I had some issues going to get the birthday cake here. Uh, And I'm going to a a very popular bakery in town. And, you know, it's a Saturday. There are a lot of people there. And there's a line basically out the door. 
So it, it takes a while to get through the line, and it's cold day, and there are literally people having to wait outside. There's, like, a line to, like, the other store next door. And I get in, and I'm behind this lady who is picking up another order for herself. And I, I need to know whether this is acceptable or whether I'm just, you know, being a, a baby about this or whether I'm in the right to be wrong. But she's getting her cake or whatever, and then she's saying to the the girl behind the counter, and can I get three of these kind of cupcakes? Actually, can I get three of these? And she's like, keeps changing her mind, asking what the what the person behind the counter recommends. What is good? What should I get? Should I get one of these? Should I get one of these? Should I get two of these? And it's like, there's a line out the door. Like, people obviously have things to do. I'm just standing there and getting you know, kind of annoyed. Like, I'm trying to get this cake and get out of there and go back and and get ready for this party. Am I in the right to be annoyed? Like, if you're going up to the front, just choose what you want. You've been waiting in line. Look at, you know, if you want to get a, a few cupcakes for yourself, get a few cupcakes. But decide before you get to the front of the line. Don't get up there and then stall and be asking the the person behind the counter what they recommend. You know what you like, Okay. De- 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 decide what you want, get it, and move on. Is this really that difficult? Maybe maybe she's never been to that bakery. I, I don't care. You know, it's like when you go to a restaurant, it's like, oh, what's popular here? What's good? Can you tell me? I can't stand those people. No, I agree I, I with really you. You can't. said You said there was a line out the door. Yes. I'm agreeing. I'm just, you know, I'm just taking the, op- the opposite side just to do it. Well, in general, I can't stand those people who, you know, a- a- ask for recommendations. Okay? Yeah. Like you know what to, you know what you like, make a decision, the, decide it's, on it's it. It's different. Move on. It's different at a restaurant if you're asking the waitress or waiter. That's different. But like you said, like there's a line out the door at this bakery. Um, did you did you say something to the lady? I did not say something. Oh, yeah, say I something. Just, uh, no, I I just uh, I, I will just stand there annoyed. Right. But I'm not going to say anything to the lady. Uh, no, you're being a respectful guy. She's you know surprised. But it's like just just move on. Just no, I agree with you. Get what you want and move on. So how long did it take till you finally got what you wanted? Oh my god, I was standing in this line for like twenty five minutes. Really? Yeah, that's how long the lady took. She she probably took like ten out of those twenty five minutes. That's a lot of that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. That's a lot of think about. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that that was uh, that was my issue. But uh, I want to know, you know, if people agree with me, or maybe I'm just cranky and and in the wrong. And you're you know, both. People can take their time. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit both. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. And when we get back, uh, I did want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the franchise tags are being handed out on Tuesday. Tuesday, the last day to hand out franchise tags, and why the Eagles are in pretty good shape, uh, regardless of what happens due to the other teams in their division. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Today's a big day in the NFL because it's the last day the teams are able to award uh, franchise tags to their players. And as far as the Eagles go, I mean, I doubt they give the franchise tag to anybody. I guess there's been, um, there has been rumors that maybe they'll uh, franchise C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I would doubt they end up doing that. Um, I think that's a situation where, They'll either let him hit free agency or, you know, reach a, a deal before free agency begins. But I don't think they're going to be in a situation 
where they're going to franchise a player. And typically, you know, the good organizations don't really do that. I don't think it's a smart move to franchise guys unless you absolutely need to. And when you look at some of the decisions the teams around the league are making right now, especially teams in the Eagles division, it's just astonishing. And, you know, it just really shows what a good position the Eagles are in. I mean, you look at the commanders, they're a mess. They're they're perpetually a mess. They don't have a quarterback, uh, which is basically the story of their franchise. That team's not a threat moving forward. Then you look at the Giants and the situation that they are in right now where they are trying like hell to get a deal done with Daniel Jones. And here was Ian Rappaport this a couple days ago talking about Jones and and where the contract negotiations stand with him at this point. It's, it certainly sounded like some optimism. And, you know, they're not there yet. It's a tough negotiation. It's really a difficult thing to figure out what is the price of Daniel Jones. Obviously successful, led a team to the playoffs. Stats aren't there, but also didn't have any weapons besides Saquon Barkley, who if they get a deal done, Barkley will get tagged. So it, get, figuring out his price is has been difficult, but they're working at it. Several hours a day over the last couple of days, back at it again today. He has a new agency in, in Athletes First. The Giants have been working with them, not around the clock, but I would say a significant amount of hours the last couple days just to try to see can they get this done before the tag deadline. Again, not there yet, but maybe a little more optimism for the Giants than, say, for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And, and I mean, it's just, you know, incredible. So the Giants are, are trying to do everything they can to sign Daniel Jones to a contract that they're going to franchise him, and it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Daniel Jones... This is a guy you're going to pay franchise quarterback money? Like, you're going to pay him $35, $40 million a year? You're better off just moving on. Like, their plan is either they're going to tag Daniel Jones if they can't get an agreement with him, or if they sign him long-term, they're going to franchise tag Saquon Barkley. That's not a smart move either. I mean, why would you franchise tag a running back in this day and age in the NFL? I mean, paying Daniel Jones over $30 million or whatever it's going to end up being, I Geno Smith got $35 million a year on Monday. It's just insane. Here's Dan Orlovsky talking about Daniel Jones on ESPN on on Monday and just, you know, how absurd it is uh, the kind of money he could make from the Giants. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't want to kill Daniel Jones. I, I, he earned his money last year. He played better. Seven months ago, Daniel Jones went into this season with 50 touchdowns and 49 turnovers. And now we're talking about paying him like $300,000 a month less than Patrick Mahomes? Uh, that's, that is mind-boggling to me. Because if you're the Giants, <laughs> who else is paying him this money? Mm-hmm. Who else? If, if you don't give him this money and, and, and he hits the market, who's paying him 40 million dollars? $35? I'm cool with. $30, $35 million, I can understand. For a guy that we're going to sit here and say, you did the what? You didn't turn the ball over last year? We're paying you $42 plus million a year? I can't wrap my brain around that. I can't, I, I can't comprehend that. I, I, I understand the whole market. I can't wrap my head around that one. It's just crazy. Like, it's absolutely crazy that the Giants are paying this kind of money. And I don't understand how teams continue to fall into the same kind of situation. Where, you know, if, if, if you have a quarterback who you're so conflicted on whether to spend the money on him or not, then you're better off not spending the money on him. Like, you're better off going in a different direction. 
you're better off just moving on and drafting another quarterback if you're going to, you know, pay this guy a ton of money, kill the rest of your roster. Like, if you have a guy like Jalen Hurts, it's different. If you have a guy like Jalen Hurts, you do it. Not if you have a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who what has he proven in five years in the league? I mean, got in the playoffs once, and in the playoff game, I mean, looked terrible. Like, let's be honest. He was awful in that game. I mean, that team is going to kill themselves with this move. And then you got the Cowboys. The Cowboys franchise tagged Tony Pollard on Monday, who they're already paying Ezekiel Elliott a ton of money. Now, I don't know if they're going to cut Elliott. That would seem to make sense. But they're just a complete disaster. And now they have Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling. And that tells you all you need to know. Here's McCarthy last week, you know, talking about why he felt it was so necessary for him to be the guy calling plays moving forward. Just really part of the the evaluation and part of the next step. So um, I, I think, you know, obviously I think Kellen did an excellent job. If you look at the the way we played over the, the course of the last three years, um, you know, as a head coach, every head coach has a vision of how you want the football team to play, what they look like. Um, you know, our complimentary formula, complimentary football formula, I felt was the best this year, the three years. Uh, so um, I think every three, four, five years into your offense, you need to make, you know, pretty good, not significant, but changes and adjustments, tendencies and things like that. So um, I, I just I just felt this was a, a good time to make that change. I mean, you look at the teams in this division, and the Eagles are going to have to screw up really badly if they're not going to win the division next year, honestly. And then, I mean, McCarthy goes on to say he wants to get back to running the football, and, you know, I guess he thinks the Cowboys were were uh, throwing it too much last year, and Kellen Moore uh, moves on to the Chargers, but... I just don't I just don't understand it. Like I I just don't understand what some of these teams are thinking. And then you got, I mean, the Raiders out here franchise tagging Josh Jacobs. Like why are teams so worried about keeping running backs anymore? They're just not that valuable. It doesn't make any sense. And I mean, the Cowboys and the Giants again just the Giants especially this Daniel Jones thing just unbelievable that they're going to pay him. Uh, instead of moving on. It doesn't make any sense. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Adrian. What's up, Adrian? Hey, Tom Kelly, you kind of, you kills me. I couldn't wait to talk to you. Now now everything everything that you do and say explains everything when you choked on them too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, Adrian, well, I'm man, enough to, I'm man enough to admit that story, Adrian. I'm man enough to tell that story to you. But, but listen. Y'all paid Carson Wentz all that money. Why can't we pay Daniel Jones? These Carson, these, these Daniel Jones won a playoff game. You try to make it seem like he didn't win a playoff game. He went to Minnesota and beat Minnesota. You forgot about that? Yeah, I mean, Adrian, that Did Minnesota team wasn't any good. That team stunk. Hey, look, it was a playoff game. Say whatever you want to say. He went in there and they beat him, and he looked great doing it. I mean, he lost to the Eagles. The Eagles was a, ju- a juggernaut up until they ran into Kansas City. But, hey. I mean, come on! This is what they getting. This is the going rate. Don't be, don't be like the uh, Washington Redskins and don't have a quarterback. You not having a quarterback in NFL, you you be the Washington. Adrian, Redskins, Adrian, you don't have, you don't have a, whatever you want to call. You don't have a quarterback either. I mean, Daniel Jones is isn't isn't a, isn't a franchise quarterback. You know it. Wait, 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 wait! I guarantee you, I bet you he threw for more yards than than, than Hurst did last year. I don't care how many yards he threw for. I mean, do you really oh, you think know, Daniel Jones is a quarterback I, who's capable of winning a Super Bowl? 
Man, come on, man. You said the same thing about Eli. You know what I mean? Two-time Super Bowl MVP. Of course he is. He can manage the game. He, he, he learned. He, turned, he, he proved that if you got good coaching under Daniel Jones, you give him some weapons. He did this with no weapons. It's a no-brainer. Like, come on, Tom Kelly. Sometimes you just talk crazy. You talk crazy. Adrian, I, I, I think you're the one who's crazy here. I mean, do you know what you're going to need to pay? Do you know what you're going to need to pay Daniel Jones? They're going to pay him $35, 40000000 million, and the rest of that roster is going to get gutted. That doesn't make any sense. It does when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts, not when you have a guy like Daniel Jones. It's the going right. That's what you have to do. Just look at all the teams that need quarterbacks that struggle. Look, look at look at the 49ers. They, 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 no quarterback, they don't win. You don't win without a, a franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones is our franchise quarterback. If you look at the numbers at, from last year to now, I mean, come on, it's a no-brainer. It's it, really a no-brainer. No, it's not a no The, the 49ers I mean, were in the championship the ball, game last the... year. Say it again? 49ers were just in the championship game last year. What are you talking about? But I'm saying but I'm saying they didn't have a quarterback, so they couldn't get to the championship. They couldn't get to the Super Bowl because they didn't have a quarterback. Their quarterback got hurt. They, they, they went through three quarterbacks in one year. Like, you have to have a quarterback in this league. It's, just, it's, just, it's a no-brainer. I mean, you got to pay them. That's the going rate. Like you don't go into a season searching for a quarterback, or you'll be like Chicago. You'll be like Pittsburgh. You'll be like all these teams that don't even have a chance to win anything. I'll take like, Chicago on, and Pittsburgh. No I'll take Chicago and Pittsburgh's quarterbacks right now over Daniel Jones. Yeah, well, well you, you could take them, and you won't be in the you won't be in the playoffs. You could take them guys, and you won't be in the playoffs. You won't give your your team a chance to even compete in the postseason. Take them. That's well, what you'll get. What, what you got? What Chicago got and what Pittsburgh got? They got Kenny Pickett. Like, I'll take on, Kenny man. Pickett over Daniel Jones. Yeah, but he won't make you, he won't give you an opportunity to win. But that's Daniel th- Jones, just just think about it. <laughs> Who was our receivers for Daniel Jones this year? Like, come on. It's a no brainer. Like, what, what what have you been watching? We won ten games this year in the playoff game. Adrian, you, you, you want to take these losers of quarterbacks that don't win. They can't win you games, they projects. Adrian, them two quarterbacks you're talking about, they three years from down the line to actually for them teams winning. The next three years, they won't win. You don't win with these guys. You win with Daniel Jones. You He's win with, that you can win with. Win with Daniel Jones. I appreciate the call, Adrian. I mean, go ahead and enjoy Daniel Jones. I don't know what to tell you. Like, and I know, Francisco, I know you're a big Danny Dimes guy. What do you, what do you got? That no, I was just going like to say something. No, no, I was going to let you go. I was going to, you know, I didn't want to interject while you're doing your whole thing there. I the the, the Kenny Pickett over D- Danny Dimes for the future, sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, how do what has Kenny Pickett done? I to, mean, Kenny Pickett at least that? showed me some level of promises here. Daniel Did Jones he? is five years into his career. Yeah, and he, like, dude, he's I a think he's product. played pretty well last year for having nothing. He had I, Saquon next to him. That was it. I don't. I mean, I think he stinks personally. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I thought he played well for not having talent around him. Okay, I'll rephrase it. Like, if I can have Kenny Pickett on a rookie year, on a rookie contract, going into year two, or Daniel Jones, like, that's the whole point of this thing. I would rather draft a quarterback, a guy who might have potential, than sign Daniel Jones to a $40 million deal. I don't think it's even close. I mean, if that's, that's, I mean, if you're the Giants, either you have confidence in Daniel Jones, get some pieces around him. Um, and you give him the deal, or you you don't uh, sign him, and you go draft a quarterback in the draft. Like it's one or the other. 
But if you he, know what I mean? But if he's a guy who needs all these pieces around him, how are you going to put these pieces around him when you're paying him that kind of money? But but it's here's my thing, TK. He's, it's not that he's like you, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Like I think he showed this year that he, he can still like play decent even without any talent around him. Now you put the talent around him. Look at I mean Tua before he got hurt, right? Tua Tua played extremely well uh, with the Dolphins when you had uh, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, all these pieces around him. He played really. He was like at top like five in, M, uh, in the MVP race. Now you put. What if you give Danny Dimes some some help? You know, it's a team sport at the end of the day. I think I think the game has changed a little bit with with Jalen and Tua. You're, I'm not saying that. I mean, Jalen's a great quarterback, but you give these guys talent, and look, it's a team sport at the end of the day, and you know they could contend for a title. I I really do think so. Yeah, and I mean, I disagree. Uh, I mean, I I just don't think Daniel Jones is very good, and I think the Giants are falling into the trap that a lot of teams fall into. Where you get a decent season from a guy, and you start to you want to believe that that's the guy. You want to believe that that's a franchise quarterback. I mean, I, I thought you know the playoff game was was a pretty large failed test. Like I thought he was terrible in the playoff game, and I get that the Eagles were a much better team. They were a much better roster, but uh, I I don't know. I wouldn't feel good giving that guy. Thirty-five, forty million dollars. I think the Seahawks made a mistake giving that kind of money to Geno Smith. Like, well, that was dumb because I mean he's older too. I, right. I, I didn't think that was smart. Yeah, I mean, I just think unless you have a young guy who you you know about, like with Jalen Hurts, the Eagles know Jalen Hurts is the guy. Like, th- there's no doubt. Like Burrow, Josh Allen, Mahomes, those kind of guys, fine. But I think generally, a team in the Giants' position should move on. Like, that, that's where I think the better value is. You build the rest of the roster. Maybe you get lucky in the draft. You know, maybe you get lucky in free agency and, and uh, bring somebody in. But, yeah, I just I just don't think Daniel Jones is worth that kind of money. And I think these teams continue to fall into this trap of just paying guys that they have who they feel like are too good to let go. But, you know, in the end, if they're not really a, a guy you believe in, they're not really a guy you think can win a Super Bowl, then then you should just let him go. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. We get back, reset some of the things uh, we've been talking about throughout the course of the show tonight um, and especially get back to the Denard Wilson thing and, and uh, why I think uh, the Jonathan Gannon departure is really, really now especially – uh, hurting the Eagles moving forward. So we'll get to that as well. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. How you join the show? Talking about a number of things tonight. Uh, the Eagles, the Marcus Hayes piece uh, regarding Denard Wilson and being let go by the Eagles. And um, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good move by Nick Sirianni. I, I think, you know, if he believes... And obviously, he believed that this would be, uh, you know, an issue within the within the the locker room or the coaching staff. Then, then that's the right move because Nick Sirianni, you take players' opinions into account. And obviously, 
the players, some of the players, wanted Denard Wilson to get the defensive coordinator job. They liked him. You take their opinions into account, but you can't make decisions solely based on that. You need to make the right decision for the team. And he obviously thought the right decision for the team was to go outside the organization. The right decision for the team was to let Denard Wilson go, and I think that's the right call. You let Sean Desai build his staff. You let him build the staff the way he wants to build it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at this from Denard Wilson's perspective, and I understand it, and it stinks for him in that kind of situation, you know, that he's has to go in this spot because he didn't do anything wrong, by all accounts, did a very good job here in Philadelphia. But if Nick Sirianni didn't think this was going to be a healthy environment moving forward or Sean Desai wanted his own people, then you got to go in a different direction. Uh, your loyalty is to your new coach. And I think Nick Sirianni made the right decision. I think it was a good decision. And I think it's where he really differs from Doug because this is where Doug fell short. This is where Doug's downfall really began was because he was unable to separate those emotions. And he was always wanting to promote from within. And, you know, he didn't want to go outside the organization. He didn't want to cast a wide net, as they say, and find, you know, other coaches and, and, and do things in a different manner. So I think Nick Sirianni showing this ability to go outside the organization. Nick Sirianni showing this willingness to, you know, go get a coach that he doesn't really know all that well um, and, you know, letting go of some of the guys who he feels did a good job for him. I think it's the right decision, and I think it's a good decision. So if you want to get on that, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Talking about the Sixers earlier on, they beat the Pacers 147-143 on Monday night. James Harden, 14 points, 20 assists, 9 rebounds. Uh, how you think they stack up with the Bucks and the Celtics in a playoff series? I just don't think they have the depth. I don't think it's about the top players. I think Embiid and Harden, yeah, they're they're an unbelievable duo this year. Maxi has been very encouraging of late. But I don't think they have the depth over a seven-game series to stay with those teams. And to me, that's really the difference. And to me, you know, that's that's something that is going to be a factor in a seven-game series as you're wearing on. You're talking about two extra months of basketball. If you're going to win an NBA championship, that's really difficult. I mean, that's really difficult when you have your starters playing, you know, 40, 45 minutes a night, which is what James Harden and, and Joel Embiid in all likelihood are going to need to do. Uh, so if you want to get in on that, also the Phillies, we were talking about that as well. Uh, the Andrew Painter elbow, still no update on that. Hopefully we get some sort of an update on Tuesday. But I don't think it really affects anything in regards to the 2023 season for the, for the Phillies. I don't. I don't think it really affects their outlook at all because I think we got ahead of ourselves with Andrew Painter a little bit. You know, I don't think this was a guy who was ever really going to contribute in a major way this year. I think that was obviously the hope. But there's a reason why 19-year-olds don't normally contribute to major league teams. It's a very hard thing to do. You know, it's very difficult for guys to come in at that young of an age and be legitimate contributors, especially when he hasn't pitched a ton of innings, you know, doesn't have that kind of workload to be built up. The odds are he would probably be shut down at some point this season anyway. 
Um, Long term, you obviously hope everything looks okay there. Uh, but even if Andrew Painter, you know, were to be out for an extended period of time, even if he doesn't pitch for the major league club this year, I don't think it really affects the Phillies' outlook when you look at the 2023 season. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. And as we were talking about a little bit in the last segment, a franchise tags handed out today. And, you know, the Giants looks like they're going to franchise either Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. The Cowboys franchise Tony Pollard. And the Eagles, it looks like it's it's a decision between C.J. Gardner-Johnson or, or nobody. And I want to know, do you think the Eagles should franchise C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Because I say no. I mean, it would be, I believe, somewhere in the range of like $14, $15 million to franchise C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And I don't think that would be a good decision. And, you know, part of why, and this is not the end-all, be-all, because, you know, you got to look at the guy, you got to look at the talent, you got to look at the age. But one thing that really bothers me from a personal perspective is I really don't like what he did last week in regards to Jonathan Gannon. And here was, first off, what Jonathan Gannon had to say at the Combine uh, before we get to, to Gardner Johnson's tweet. Here was what Gannon had to say in regards to his performance at the Super Bowl. They made a lot of good plays in that second half. Um, we weren't able to get some stops when we needed to. Um, I obviously could have done a better job of coaching a couple things that I want out of the call. So um, tough to swallow when you look back at that because it's such a big stage and we didn't get it done uh, for the city, for Mr. Lurie, for Howie, and for the head coach. But um, learned a lot from it. And, uh, you know, you got to give credit to Kansas City. But obviously, I could have done a lot better job with what we were doing. So C.J. Gardner-Johnson quote tweets that and basically says, you didn't put us in position to make plays, which, I mean, that's just a cheap shot. I mean, that's all that is because Gannon did take accountability. Here was more from Gannon uh, when asked further by Jeff McLean about what happened in the second half of that game. The Super Bowl, you mentioned specific calls. Um, So you had no problem with your game plan coming in. What specifically was the game plan to, to contain Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, Jeff, you know, I, I've answered two questions about that. I'm sorry I'm going to uh, not talk about that one. But, uh, you know, I've kind of moved on from that. But uh, just uh, as always, guys, when you're the, the leader of a unit or the leader of a team, everything that goes on on that field is my responsibility. And, you know, obviously them scoring what they scored, how the second half went, I didn't do a good enough job. And, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know what people want Gannon to say. Like, I don't fault Jeff McClain for asking the question. He's doing his job asking the questions that his readers want to hear. But what do you want Gannon to say there? Like, Gannon's taking accountability. And this is the problem I really had with Gardner-Johnson last week. Is, you know, he did, like, that was just kicking a guy while he's down. Like, he knows how much Gannon's getting crushed. Could he have coached a better game? Yeah, absolutely. He said he could have done things differently. He said he could have coached a better game. He's not hiding from it. Like, like, what do you want him to say? And this was some, one of the problems that I really have with Gardner Johnson here. Because, you know, you look at it, and he's going to throw Jonathan Gannon under the bus for the Super Bowl. Well, you're about to cash him free agency this offseason. Like, C.J. Gardner Johnson is going to get a lot of money, whether it's from the Eagles or somebody else. Who put you in position to make plays this year? Was, did, did Jonathan Gannon have no part in that? Like, did he have no, um, you know, part whatsoever 
in the kind of season that you had? Because if you're saying he's to blame for the Super Bowl solely, then that would also indicate that he was to get the guy who should get the credit for the success that the defense had and that you had throughout the course of the season. So that was a real problem that I had with C.J. Gardner-Johnson in doing that. And it would give me concerns to a degree about signing him to a long-term deal. You know, I'm not going to discount it because of that, but I do worry about a guy like C.J. Gardner-Johnson because you look at the situation with New Orleans. They trade him to the Eagles for a fifth and a seventh-round pick. Fine, they weren't going to re-sign him to a long-term deal. Okay. But, like, a fifth and seventh-round pick is, is virtually nothing. Like, why wouldn't you keep him? For the year. Why wouldn't you keep Sage Gardner-Johnson for the season? They were a team that was looking to compete. I mean, they traded their first-round pick. They weren't a team that was content, you know, with just wasting away last season and not being a competitive team. The reason they traded him was because they thought he was going to be a problem in the locker room. Like, they thought him not having a deal was going to be an issue in the locker room. Say you franchise tag C.J. Gardner-Johnson now, and he's back here on the franchise tag without a long-term deal, and he holds some sort of resentment toward the organization for that. You don't think he's going to be a problem here? I mean, I think that's a very legitimate possibility, and the Eagles need to really know what they're getting if they, one, franchise C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and two, sign him to a long-term deal because – you know, I, I like him as a player, 25 years old. Um, he's got a lot of talent. That's never been the issue. But when he was traded here, he came with a reputation that preceded him a little bit. And the reason why the Saints traded him was because they were worried about the way he was going to respond this year, uh, not having that long-term contract. As I said, they were a team that was looking to compete. You know, they dealt him for a fifth and a seventh, which is virtually nothing, basically just to to wash their hands of them and 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 let them go. And I think that's a real concern for the Eagles moving forward. And I want to know, would you be worried about bringing C.J. Gardner-Johnson back on the franchise tag, considering, you know, the fact he might not be happy with it, considering he's already, you know, gone on social media and ripped the defensive coordinator after he left, and, you know, done some of these other things in the past where it would indicate that, that he's not going to respond well if he's not happy with his contract. Uh, would you be worried about bringing him back on the franchise tag? I would. I'd be worried about bringing him back and having an unhappy C.J. Garner-Johnson in-house because New Orleans, I mean, they decided it wasn't worth it. And we see what kind of player the guy is. He's a damn good player. Like, he's the kind of guy you want on the field. Uh, but, you know, I would worry about that part of it. And, you know, I, I think that that's something to be concerned about. Would you be concerned about that, Francisco, bringing him back on the franchise tag if he's not happy with it? I mean, a little bit, but, like, <laughs> he's way too good to, like, you figure it out. Like, if you're Howie, if you're Sirianni, if you're Sean Desai, you figure it out. Okay, he's way too good, way too versatile. Um you know, for this defensive unit going forward. Like, he's the number one priority to me for them to sign. He's way too talented, way too good. Whatever it is personality-wise, you know, him tweeting, 
at Jonathan Gannon, which is not a great look. I just thought it was not a good decision. Um, it was You've got to figure it out. I thought it was just kind of like classless. You yeah, know? no, I 100% agree. I just think that I agree with what you're saying, but like you got to figure it out. He's way too good. Like To me, he's the number numero uno priority for the Eagles this offseason, free agent-wise. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, another part of this thing, too, you know, just as the Eagles need to restructure the coaching staff, and full these holes defensively. I do think it's kind of funny, and I have become one of the Jonathan Gannon, I guess, defenders. Uh, I'm not saying he did a good job in the Super Bowl. He didn't. But I think the blame has been way over the top on Jonathan Gannon, to be honest with you. Um, it would have been better for the Eagles if Jonathan Gannon hadn't gotten that Arizona job. And I know a lot of people are annoyed with him right now. I know a lot of people are still very frustrated about what happened uh two and a half weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, if you could have brought Jonathan Gannon back and you had a defensive staff in place, you had that continuity, let's face it, that would have been a better outcome for this organization. Like, if you could have brought that whole coaching staff back, that continuity is important. And I think Jonathan Gannon, leaving when he did, um, it is something that's going to hurt. And it's kind of reminiscent to me of Frank Reich after the uh, Super Bowl 52 because, you know, he gets that job late. Josh McDaniels pulls out. Reich ends up going late uh, and taking the Indianapolis job. And we'll see if this is where Nick differs from Doug because Doug did not fill that role well. Promoted from within with Mike Rowe. It didn't work out. Uh, hopefully this hire goes goes better because uh, it came at a tough time to, to, to fill a role. But I want to know – about your C.J. Gardner-Johnson opinions, and do you think the Eagles should be worried about franchising him uh, considering the fact that he's probably not going to be happy with his contract status if that's the case? 215-592-9494. Let's go to Fred in the Northeast. What's up, Fred? Hey, good morning, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I really wouldn't put a whole lot into uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and and New Orleans because what I've noticed over the years with a lot of these teams and this is why I never get mad at players for wanting to leave and go other places because none of these teams are are loyal to these players. None of them. The moment they're done with their talent, they get rid of them. The moment they can't get to the contract talk, they kind of let stuff leak about them. That could be true or could not be true just to kind of hurt their value. We watched it with Chip and Deshaun Jackson and different guys where he was getting rid of guys and, and he was making excuses of why he was getting rid of guys because they were cancers in the locker room or, you know, they might they might be gang members in his you know what I mean? Like I just don't believe in these teams because they're just as petty as these young kids are when they tweet it. Except these are billionaires and they're playing with guys' lives all the time. So I would franchise them. I wouldn't worry about them uh in that aspect. I mean obviously them tweeting stuff like that. A lot of these guys took low blows at risk and I completely I completely agree with you a thousand percent. He put them in position all year. It's selective memory. It's just this is what people do. Yeah, so Fred, and 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 th- and this the thing, like, and this is the problem I had with it. Like, it's one thing for fans or people like that to get on Gannon. That's fine, but like, this is a guy. Like, this is uh, something that worries about worries me about Gardner Johnson moving forward because you got to think that Gannon's at least the guy he's had a relationship with. Like, they spent what seven eight months together. To just kick the guy while he's down on his way out the door, that concerns me about what kind of teammate he's going to be. Yeah, no, it, it's his character is poor. But, you know, I think our biggest 
our big issue that could come on this team is A.J. Brown to me. I mean, I think he is. Uh, he could be a cancer eventually. Serious, a serious cancer eventually. I think he's our biggest problem, honestly, on this team. And I would worry more about A.J. Brown when things don't go his way. Because we watched it this year, and we were, what, 12-2 and two or 13-3 and three at the time, and we watched them have a fit in the game we were winning. Imagine yeah. if we start losing and things start, don't, don't start going this way. I mean, he could really become a problem. I really worry about A.J. in that aspect. No, I hear you, Fred. Okay. No, and I appreciate the call. And I talked about this a little bit the other night, but this is something the Eagles are really going to need to to watch here in terms of, like, the character moving forward because I think it's something they need to prioritize. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to look at talent more than anything else, but you got to look at the character because, you know, you're not going to have another year like this. You're just not. Like, this was a, an odd year where everything went right. Like, one of the things about this season that made it so weird and so unique was that this team really didn't face any adversity. I mean, they didn't face any adversity really all season. Um, you know, it's going to be much different moving forward. You're going to face adversity. You know, you're going to be in a situation where things don't always go right. And I do get concerned when we see how things went this season when anything went wrong. Like, A.J. Brown a couple times, even in a year where everything went right. A.J. Brown, you know, after the the Giants game, he's upset uh, because he does get more action. You won 38-7, you're going to the NFC Championship game. Like, that bothered me. The way he threw Minshew under the bus after the Saints game. Like, that wasn't great. Darius Slay in the Cowboys game throwing Scott under the bus. And it's just like, it worries you moving forward because, you know, how are these guys going to, going to react when they do actually face adversity this team didn't face any adversity this year they really didn't they didn't face any uh and that's something to be concerned about uh, let's go to bill in west philly what's up bill yeah hi thank you uh okay um yeah i just wanted to just talk a little about the sixers the future and uh also while we're at it the eagles in the draft and their their quarterback uh, uh situation uh all right yeah, sure. I just give, I just give my opine, and then I, w- I would like to be interested in you and caller's uh, take. Uh, I, I'm still puzzled why why Allen Iverson couldn't help the Sixers besides just being an Allen fan and, and showing up for home games. It seems to me uh, wait, wait. he has a, he would have a lot to offer as a scout, if not an assistant coach, at least on oh. the road. Yeah, Bill, I I just I don't think Allen would want to do that. I think Allen, you know, enjoys what he does and I don't think uh I don't know if he would want to utilize all his time in in work he'd only settle for being a head coach with some team well I mean I don't I I don't think Allen would want to be a head coach either okay uh yeah I'm not sure I completely agree with that but I, I mean I could point, be uh, yeah I could be wrong but I, I uh, my, uh, my my other question was I, I saw some uh, quarterbacks working out and something on um I get files, so I get some interesting uh, uh, TV channels and draft prognostication and conjecture. And it seems to me the Eagles, um, they're going to either re-sign Minshew or they're going to need to want to have another veteran experienced quarterback to back up uh, Hurts because he is going to be a little injury prone, uh, you know, the way he plays and the nature of the game. Uh, so who do you think they might be interested in for that that they could afford? And Because uh, that's going to be an issue, obviously, with Roseman. 
and and you think they'll draft a quarterback? Uh, there's some really good kind of second tier ones that I I got a glimpse of uh, yesterday on on TV. Yeah, yeah, no, Bill, and I I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Um, I think you know I've heard Mariota's name mentioned. I don't I don't love Marcus Mariota, to be honest with you, as a backup maybe, uh, but. I mean, you want a guy who can stay healthy. You want a guy who can step in. And, and, I mean, I would guess Minshew's not back. I'd guess he ends up going somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd have to look more more out there at, at some of the quarterbacks available. But uh, I, I, I think the Eagles will, will find somebody capable. Hey, can I just go back to what Bill, the first thing Bill brought up? About um, Allen Iverson being that good? Yeah, so if Doc Rivers is out, maybe Allen Iverson in for head coach. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it. I'm just. I, I'm speaking for Bill. I'm speaking for Bill. Not speaking for me. At speaking first, at first, I thought Bill was suggesting Allen like be signed and play on the team, <laughs> which he's I, not that old. Udonis Haslam just retired, right? And he was like, no, he's still playing. Udonis Haslam's big fraud in sports. All right, I'm, <laughs> why? Because this dude has been eating up a roster spot. Yes, for what ten years now? Oh, don't well, do not that. even playing. Nah. When's the last time this legend. guy played like meaningful minutes in a season? You know, it's got to be at least, it's been at least five years, at least five. Yeah, years. you might be right, but you know he's he was a he's one of the greatest role players of the you know the century. He's a fraud. He's a total fraud. But I, I will say one of the saddest experiences of my life as a sports fan was I mean it was it was very fun up until the game started. I went to the. The game, and I guess it was 2009 when Allen came back, and it was his first. And warmups were electric; like it, it, he was going nuts. I remember watching. Oh, it was it was great. It was unbelievable. And then the game started, and his first shot was just so bad, and it was like this is this is just not going to go well. I remember it was it was really bad. He didn't have a good game, right? No, but then yeah. he had one great game that year when they were playing the Lakers, and he was going like head to head with Kobe, and it was like he was he was back a little bit. Okay, well, I don't remember that, but yeah, but that was yeah, that was a sad experience because I love Allen Iverson. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, a couple segments left. If you want to join the show, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple segments here. Morning show coming up at the top of the hour. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two. 9494 is how you join the show. And talking a little bit about the quarterbacks in the last segment and what the Eagles are going to do as the backup. And some big news yesterday is Derek Carr signed with the Saints. So another quarterback changing spots. And now I guess the big question becomes what happens with Aaron Rodgers? And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just, I think, has screwed this situation up so bad. Like, I think he intended to kind of, you know, screw the Packers a little bit where he signed that deal. And then I think wanted to get out after a year. And I think he thought, Oh, well, yeah, I'll have a bunch of teams that want me. And I don't think that's really the case. I mean, the Raiders who I think would make sense, they don't seem overly interested. And Aaron Rodgers just ending up with the jets would just be hilarious to me. Like, cause he wouldn't be happy. It would be just terrible situation. Uh, and it seems like that's the most likely scenario, but I was uh, I saw this on Monday, and I don't know how you know credible this is. I don't think uh, this would be reported by Rich Eisen unless he was actually hearing it. But here was Rich Eisen uh, talking about 
What he heard at the Combine and one quarterback in particular that could be on the way back. Tom Brady may not be done after all. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a couple people are like, just you, just hang on, just you wait. Wait for and I'm what? like, what I'm, are you I'm, I'm, for? And I'm like, he's Instagramming out videos of his cat. Yeah, ski you know? trips. Yeah, he was at UFC he, over the weekend. I, I know, but it doesn't look like he's getting uh, big, big and fat, does it? And and that he just let, like let it play out. Let's see who wants what. And and the one place that folks are saying keep an eye out for is Miami. And if the Dolphins cannot somehow, if they get somehow some way. Um, a you know a, a doctor's report, a piece of information from a medical evaluation of Tua that he may not be ready to go, and suddenly there's Tom Brady sitting in Florida, where his family is located and where he can easily locate himself. Keep an eye on that. I was told by a couple of birdies. Good at the combine. I mean, it, it can't be real, right? Like, Brady, at this point, I think he'd be tarnishing his legacy. Like, if he came back again, like, you get one you get one unretirement. That, 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 I think, should be the rule. You get one unretirement. Oh, it's a Brett Favre. That's fair. Yeah, but exactly. Like, his legacy, well, his legacy's tarnished for a number of different reasons. But, um, yeah, but he, he uh, but for, for Brady, the one unretirement, fine. Another one, it would just get it, it would it would be bad. So would you be surprised? Think, I don't think he should come back. I would be surprised. I thought this one was for real. I last I year I never thought he was done last year. Like it always kind of felt like he was gonna come back. And he real it, it was only like a few weeks, right? It wasn't even that long. But uh not even. Yeah, but this year I I do think Brady's done, and I hope he is, uh, for his sake. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I'm Tom Kelly. When we get back, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, uh, I'll be I'll be back in tomorrow as well. But wrap things up when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for a couple more minutes here. Be back in uh, tomorrow overnight as well. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. As for what's coming up uh, tonight and later today, the Phillies in spring training action again. Do you know who's pitching today, Francisco, for the Phillies? I believe it's Bailey Falter. Bailey Falter pitching for the Phils today. Um, the big story of the well, one of the stories over the weekend, uh, Zach Wheeler, kind of a rough outing. It well, a very rough outing in his first uh, performance, an inning and a third, gives up seven runs. And I mean, I'm not worried about Zach Wheeler at all. He'll be fine. And you can't take anything from these spring training games. I mean, it's 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 difficult to really take anything from, especially a guy like Zach Wheeler has a rough performance. Trying stuff out, it's going to happen. But what I didn't like about Wheeler is is the complaining about the pitch clock. That oh, was yeah, he straight of, up said, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You're going to need to adjust. You're going to need to figure out how to how to. I mean, it's it's at the point where it's just like, come on. You're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to have to change the way you do things a little bit. They will. Nolan, Nolan Wheeler men, they'll. They'll deal with it. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully they can do it, and hopefully Wheels can can figure out how to adjust his his motions and not walk around so much. You know, he's a quick worker anyway. That's why I didn't think it would, he'd be somebody who would really be affected by it because he does work quick. 
Yeah, well, I mean, on the other side, like, you can understand, like, Nola is, like, one of the, right. you know, has one of the, it takes forever to, you know, to deliver the baseball. So, um, you can understand Nola, but, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess Wheeler, you're right. Wheeler's a quick worker, yeah. but. Yeah, so ho- ho- hopefully he'll be able to figure it out. And uh, the Phil's back today. And then the Sixers tonight in Minnesota take on the Timberwolves. Sixers giving up one and a half in this game. And I, I, I would say tonight is probably a night you're not betting on the Sixers. I mean, coming off a coming off a game in Indiana, fast paced game. You know, yeah, your starters play a lot of minutes. Uh, you, you win a tough game. This is, I, I guess, as Doc would say, I think a scheduled loss. I think the line's telling you that, considering the fact that I mean, you're a better team than Minnesota, and you're only one and a half point favorites. This kind of feels like Timberwolves tonight to me. Well, well you know me. I'm not, I'll, I won't be betting on this game. Well, I, I mean, I will not be betting on it either. Right. Well, I, but you might, though. Me, yeah, I won't, <laughs> but I might uh, if there's the same game parlay. And if that's the case, you know, James Harden better get to those, get, better get to those two three. Are there any octopuses in these? Uh, in I these don't games? think there are octopuses. The touchdown and the two point conversion, which Jalen Hurts did hit for us in the Super right. Bowl. Uh, so, uh, did you end up putting a bet down on that or no? No, like I said, I don't. I don't emotionally bet. Okay. TK. Well, but fair enough. Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, the Sixers get it done tonight, and we'll see what happens with the Eagles. CJ Gardner Johnson, last day they could potentially franchise him. Um, I don't think it would be a good idea. Uh, I think you continue negotiating. Hopefully, you reach a deal. Uh, but we'll see if the Eagles end up franchising CJ Gardner Johnson and uh, who else gets franchised in the NFL. Talk about it all tomorrow, but that'll do it for me. Thank you to Francisco Rojas for producing the show tonight. I will be back with you overnight tomorrow from 2 to 6. Stay tuned. Morning show coming up next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.